Hey guys, this is Doug Basham. The following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show here on the WZWA Network. This is our second recording of the day. It's been a long one. Um, but very excited here tonight. This is the first professional wrestler I ever got to meet in person. It is my distinct honor and privilege to introduce former full-time OVW heavyweight champion, OVW Southern tag team champion, and WWE tag team champion. He is the one and only Doug Basham. Doug, how are you going tonight? Good, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing oh, great, bro. That was two-time WWE Tag Team Champion. Two times, baby. Two <laughs> times. You <laughs> like it so much the first one time we did it twice. <laughs> um, it's great to have you on the show, Doug. Really excited to uh, speak with you this morning. And um, as per usual, first question we always throw at everyone is how you first became a wrestling fan when you were a young man. Uh, I've been asked that question a lot, actually. And I don't know how I became a wrestling fan. It was just on the TV one morning. I think I was like three, three years old or something like that. And way back when, we're talking 45 years ago, I guess, because I'm 48 now. Uh, we only had like three channels. We could only get three channels. And uh, on one of those channels at noon uh, was uh, USWA or Championship Wrestling CWA. And it had uh, mid mid south wrestling with with the likes of Jerry Lawler and I don't know if anybody will know these names I'll throw them out there anyway Jerry Lawler Bill Dundee uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel uh, Buddy Wayne Sonny King just all the guys back I, that I watched growing up and then uh, I never missed it and I can't remember the exact date because again I was only three years old but I had this. Uh, which I'm sure you guys did too. You probably had them wrestling buddies or a pillow or a teddy bear that you uh, wrestled with. Yeah. And my teddy bear, man, we never missed a day after that yeah. from three years old on. Oh, wonderful. Um, Many a matches with that teddy bear. <laughs> well, I, I hope the teddy bear got to go over a few times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and sorry, Jack, I totally stepped on your feet there. That was supposed to be your question. So over to you. Nah, don't even sweat it. <laughs> Um, so what was the uh, first thing you did when you left uh, high school or college? Was that sort of, um, was wrestling sort of something that was always on your radar pretty much since you were three? Like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is going to be it. Um, so what was the first thing you did when you left high school or college? Well, it's a very interesting you asked that question there because um, when I was watching, growing up through high school, 16, 17, 18, 19, well, eight, 16 through 19, 18, sorry. Um, the USWA would always have a commercial during her show saying, if you want to be a professional wrestler, come to our wrestling school at uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm like, Nashville, that's, and I live, uh, I don't know if you guys know the States very well, but Nashville is about like a two and a half, three hour drive from where I live. And I'm like, I can't go down there. That's too far. So I just kind of, every time that commercial came on, I always got that. Oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, I want to do yeah. that. But I never did. So there's no wrestling school that I knew of that was close by where I lived. So um, what I wanted to be and aspired to be after that, um, when I went to college, I went to Indiana University, 
in my home state that I lived in, Indiana, and I wanted to be a doctor. So I was pursuing pre-med, and uh, it was not easy, <laughs> not easy at all. And then um, I was about three years in, and my aunt married Nightmare Danny Davis. So he became my uncle when I was 20, I guess, 18, 19, 20, about 20 years old. And um, he opened a wrestling school in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, which was just 20 minutes away from my hometown where I lived. And then uh, I, I met Danny before he opened that school. I met Danny at Christmas, um, one Christmas when they first got, when they were first dating before they actually got married. And the, I don't know if anybody will remember these guys. You can look them up, Google them, the Nightmares, Nightmare Danny Davis and Ken Wayne. Well, growing up, they were like one of my favorite tag teams because they were small and I was small and they were, they you know, wore a mask and I thought that was cool. Yeah. And uh, I was just a big fan. So when I met him, I was like starstruck. I was like, you know, like, oh my, hello. And he's like, he was so polite and nice and everything and jacked up. And then when he uh, opened a wrestling school, I had transferred from Indiana University down to like a uh, satellite college um, Indiana University Southeast. So I was going there and so I could work and stuff. And then he opened his school and I, I went to his, I was working at a hospital actually there in Louisville, Kentucky. I was working in the um, operating area. I was kind of like a gopher. They'd call in this room. Hey, I need suture. Hey, I need a hammer. Hey, I need nails, whatever they needed for surgery. Um, don't know what surgery needs nails, but so he had, he had his school uh, pretty close to the hospital. And I asked if I could come over there and, and he said, yeah, come on over. And I just want to check it out. And then he said, I had, uh, I had some, I brought sweatpants now that you've got to always be prepared. So I always was. So I had sweatpants and uh, shoes and t-shirt and took my scrubs off, put that on, got in a ring and run, ran around a little bit. And uh, that was, that was how it started. Wow, man. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so crazy. At 20 years old, I was 20 years old. What a, what a, how convenient is that that uh, your aunt just marries uh, <laughs> the nightmare? And it's just I mean, like, you know, and you've, you've, you've seen this ad over and over, and every time you must be like, shit, man, like just one day, like I just want to do it. And then conveniently, a couple of years later, so he's, you, you got someone who owns a wrestling school in your family. It's, it's awesome, man. It, it um, was like it was meant. It was meant to be, man. Perfect. And I was his first student. So how was um how was training under uh, Danny Davis for you? What was the experience like there? It was it was good. It was good. He took care of me, um, and because I was his 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 newly <laughs> newly nephew, um, but he he did expect a lot of me. So I, he was a little harder on me because. Um, he told me after I was training for a while, he told me that um, he hadn't seen somebody cut. And I don't know if he was just saying this because I was his nephew or if it was actually true. Now, I think it was actually true. He was telling me this. He said he hadn't seen anybody in a long, long time that came along and started training that was a natural. He said, I just took to it like a duck to water. Because you're a natural kid. You're going to make it. And he said, I, I see that. So he goes after you know, you had your career and you're retired and all that. You just remember what I said. I never forgot that. So that's what he said. Uh, here it is. I'm telling you guys that. <laughs> and it's stuck with you. Awesome, man. Back to you, Carl. Um, Doug, uh, everyone always has their story of, of their first match that they ever had. Uh, what was the story of your first match? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I was about, I was trained and I was, I only been training for about eight months. And, you know, so I was still green. I was still horrible. You know? yeah. So there were these two students that, that came in and started training under Danny and they, uh, they, they were more advanced. They were run, doing show, running shows and they were already wrestling, but they came to Danny to get uh, more training and, and tighten up their skill and learn more of the psychology and everything about wrestling. So they got in there and worked with me and they, they had been talking to Danny. Is there anybody here who's ready? We, you know, we got, we run, we go and do these shows in a little town called central city, Kentucky. And um, it's, it's, I mean, small. Uh, it was an old abandoned garage or a body shop that had been turned around. They put a ring in the middle and they put some uh, bleachers on the sides and it was a wrestling arena. Dirty, you know, uh, gritty. I mean, we're talking a great place to first to start wrestling because the fans down there, they believed it. It was real and you could do anything and they would pop. Um, so uh, they, they went down as this, mask tag team that they were working on and then they put me under a mask and called me how ironically a texas hangman <laughs> i had a mask <laughs> i had a mask on i wore blue jeans and a flannel shirt and i was so nervous when i got in there the only thing i could remember how to do was a headbutt <laughs> and i mean my headbutts were real that night <laughs> i got in headbutted uh one of the guys and he goes, Oh my God, tag out, tag out, tag out now. <laughs> I couldn't remember how to do anything. That was my first memory. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's great. Uh, That's good stuff. Um, and it was that way from there. <laughs> Only one way to go. Um, you went to, yeah, right. <laughs> you went to the USWA in 1994. Uh, a lot of people we've had on the show, at some point went through Memphis. Um, what did you learn there the most and how was that experience? That was my very first job. And actually, um, you remember I was going to college to be a doctor and then I had an opportunity to my very first job. My very first experience with wrestling was with USWA. Danny kind of helped me uh, get that set up a little bit and I had to make a choice. Do I want to wrestle or do I want to continue school and go be a doctor well we know which way i went yeah and uh i had that conversation with my dad and it was yeah. not a good conversation <laughs> it was yeah. bad 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 but anyway um he was super proud of me now after pursuing the, doing what i did pursuing a career and, and going getting as far as i did but um back to your question uswa um here i was 21 i was 21 22 years old i think this was what, 90, it was 93 or 94? I think it was 93, wasn't it? 93 or 94? Yeah. Can't remember, somewhere around there. So I was uh, 22, 23 years old. I mean, we're talking six foot two, a hundred and nothing. <laughs> Soaking wet. I mean, I'm talking scrawny. Uh, I look like, uh, uh, Carl, I look like you. <laughs> <laughs> no offense in that picture in that picture oh, yeah, yeah. that's about that's about how big i was um but anyway man uh it was it was a great experience for me because i got to ride up and down the road um a lot of the veterans would ride with the young guys and one you know get free rides obviously because the young guys would drive and use their car and take them everywhere and while you're doing that you you talk and get uh experience and knowledge from these guys 
So uh, I rode up down the road with uh, a lot with uh, Nature Boy Buddy Landale. He taught me a lot about cutting promos, and I got a story I'll tell you about Buddy Landale. So he taught me how to chop also. Rode up down the road with uh, Dream Machine, Troy Graham. You know, I don't know if any of these names, if anybody remembers any of these names. Um, Tommy Wildfire, Tommy Rich, PG-13. <laughs> um, and th those are the main main people that I would ride with because I lived I lived in Louisville, Kentucky area, and uh, Memphis, Tennessee was where they shot TVs. And like on a on a Friday night or on a uh, a Monday Monday night, you I'd be in Louisville. I had to drive all the way to Memphis, Tennessee for uh, Memphis Coliseum Monday night. That's when they had their big shows, and then. Uh, Tuesday, you drive back to Louisville and for the Louisville Gardens. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you'd have house shows. And then Saturday morning, you drive all the way back to Memphis, Tennessee for, for TV taping on uh, Sunday, Saturday mornings live. And then you'd go to Nashville, Tennessee, Saturday night for uh, a show at the Coliseum, uh, Nashville Coliseum. That was that loop. So I got a, got a lot of experience riding around with a lot of those veterans, and I got to work with all kinds of people even even uh work with sid vicious <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, dear. youtube that one a <laughs> uh, story about buddy landell I rode with i rode with him a lot and he uh, i was wanting to learn how to chop because uh, i watched the chops of the chest you know so there was a battle royal in louisville kentucky <clears throat> during the battle royal he goes hey kid come find me in the battle royal i'll show you how to chop said, okay so i went when the battle was going on, I grabbed him and said, hey, hey, buddy. And he popped me and goes, get in the corner. So he threw me in the corner. Boom. He threw a chop. Pow. I go, ooh, why did I ask for this? So he threw, <laughs> threw a chop on me. And I was like, oh, he goes, here, let me do it. Let me show you again so you can get it. I'm like, okay. So he threw my arm over. He chopped me again. I was like, oh, 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 oh my God. Why did I do this? And he goes, one more. Third, third time's a charm. Shapop. He goes, okay, now, poke me in the eye, turn me around, and give me one. I said, all right. So I poked him in the eye, turned him around. And got him lined up, threw his arm over the top rope, and got ready to throw the chop. He poked me in the eye, turned me around, chopped me again, and says, You got it, kid. You <laughs> got it, kid. Awesome. <laughs> what a rip. I got ribbed. I, I learned. Fantastic. I learned two things there. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, so, uh, transitioning from the USWA uh, in 1996 is when you first uh, went to Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, just from what my research tells me. Um, so how did uh, that come about? And uh, was, was Danny Davis uh, in charge at that point? Yeah, Danny Davis. He, he, he was always in charge up to, I'm not for sure when he um, sold the company, I think to Al Snow, yeah. which is where I'm, I'm at now with Al. Um, yeah, Danny, he, it started out as the uh, Nightmare Danny Davis School of Professional Wrestling. And then he had this this idea and this dream of wanting to uh, create Ohio Valley Wrestling, OVW, and then have shows and have TV. So um, from from 20 years old until I went to the WWE, signed my developmental WWE, and actually moved up, I, I was with Ohio Valley and Danny the whole time. Always continued my training, always went to classes, always doing house shows that he would have. And then when he eventually started the TV, obviously, you know, became, I guess, one of the uh, center, center, I guess, uh, focal, one of the main stars for Ohio Valley Wrestling TV yeah. while I was continuing to, you know, work on my body because I knew I had to get bigger. The USWA was a, an eye-opening experience for me. 
I was little. I was too small. I got the I got the job because I was Danny's nephew. We'll just go ahead and say it. But it, it helped get me some experience, a little bit of exposure, and then they said, "Thanks, go get bigger." Over to you, Jack. Um, so you've already sort of told us a fair bit about uh, the Nightmare Danny Davis. But do you have a sort of a funny story about him? Oh man, funny story about Danny. I don't know if it's funny, but um, I remember the first time I actually wrestled Danny. Yeah, sure. um, I was nervous. He's my uncle, and he's a big-time superstar. Yeah. And it was uh, in the very first uh, Ohio Valley Danny Davis School. But it's the, the second spot he had. It wasn't really big. It was just a, big enough to have a ring in it. And you could hit the ropes and touch, almost touch the sides. And the back had like this backdrop. <laughs> and then it just had people on one side. So we were running the show, and uh, Danny, I, I was wrestling Danny out of it. was just because it was like uh, uncle against, you know, family against family. That's how it was built and booked, you know. And we were out there working, and Danny was calling stuff, and I could, he would call, let's just say he would say arm drag, and I would try to go for hip toss. It was horrible, horrible. <laughs> and here's the funny part he shot me in, did something, and said, Please take an arm drag. <laughs> like was, Please do it right this time. Is basically what he was telling me. <laughs> so that's that's a funny story with Danny in the ring. And a, another story: the first time I rode with him, which shocked me because he he used to always when he and my aunt got together, he was Jack, right? And I was always wanting to know, hey, could you give me a diet? I need to get bigger and all this, and I need to know what to eat and how to how to work out and stuff. He goes, okay, yeah, you ride with me to the show and I'll talk to you and, and you know, I'll show you what to get and what to do. And I, I guess he was, I thought he was ribbing me, but the only thing we ate, he had like, you know, protein shakes and stuff like that. And he'd get one for me and this is how you do it. And you eat, drink this and this is what I do. And then on the way home, he stopped and he got a, uh, a he stopped at Burger King and he got a, a, a Whopper with cheese and fries and a, a whatever to drink. And he goes, and you always end your night like this. I'm like, what? Fast food? <laughs> you didn't have fast food? But I started doing that for a while. And then, you know, every night I would, <laughs> I would have Burger King. I didn't know. I thought if I ate Burger King, I'd look like him. <laughs> and I'm like, went to him, you know, a couple months later. I said, Danny, I don't know if this, I don't know if this Burger King every night is working. It's just, I don't feel like I'm getting lean. And he's like, no, you idiot. It's a treat. You do it once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Now you tell me. Anyway, <laughs> that's about that's my funny stories. <laughs> and funnily enough, the um, next thing I was going to say was, uh, what was the what's something you learned most from him? But I mean, it kind of sounds, you know, the Burger King story sounds like it's probably something you might have learned the most from him. But uh, what is a serious <laughs> lesson that you did learn the, uh, the most from Danny Davis? Me how to work um, and how to how to conduct myself uh, inside the ring, outside the ring. Um, in just psychology, how to tell a story in the ring in five minutes, which is hard to do. But if you're trained right and you know what you're doing, you can do it. That's the main thing. I, I owe him my, I owe him everything because he taught me everything. So yeah. like my, so my, and well, you know, a couple others, Jim Cornette, obviously I, I owe a lot to Jim Cornette and another individual by the name of Rip Rogers. I don't know if you guys know who that guy is. <laughs> I definitely I, know. I, I know. I owe him a lot too. He, he uh, had a, played a pretty big part in teaching me uh, the psychology of uh, wrestling. 
you know, I think what you want about Rip Rogers, but the guy, he knows his business. He knows how to train people too. He certainly does. I actually uh, interviewed him uh, Friday night. Uh, and really? I, I'll, I'll just tell, tell you what happened. Um, so I had organized this a couple of weeks prior with him and um, uh, I had informed him that I was calling him on my computer. So it might, say private number or something like that because uh, if i call on my phone i won't be able to record it i had to do it on skype so i tried to call him it was one in the morning my time uh so midday for him and he didn't answer and then he messaged me on twitter saying uh it's saying that it's a risk spam call you know don't you fuck me on this are you, are you trying to fuck me on this? And uh, <laughs> I'm like, sir, I promise you, I'm not trying to mess with you. I, I, it's just, this is what happens when you call from a computer to a, a phone that's not used to getting a call from, like a computer from Australia, right? So he said, whatever, just make the damn call. So I called a, a second time. He answered and I got chewed out for like two minutes straight. And he, a promo on. My favorite, I mean, I almost laugh because I'm like kind of popping that Rip Rogers is, is just reading me the riot act. He says, uh, if you fuck me on this, I swear to God, I'll find out where you live and I'll fucking come and cut your dick off. <laughs> and then like he rip. said, I'll start the damn interview. And then I just went, Welcome to the WCWA Network podcast and pretended nothing had happened and we had a very nice chat for an hour. So. Oh, that, that's Rip. That's awesome. That's, that's Rip. <laughs> Classic Rip. Can't wait to listen to that interview. Oh, dude. It's, uh, yeah. He, he's, he's hilarious, man. He really is. Um, yes, he's funny. And uh, he, he, know, he knows the wrestling business, man. <laughs> uh, sorry, to, sorry to hijack you there, but Jack, uh, back to you. Yeah. Um, so obviously coming up through that time, uh, as you said before, you know, the reason you essentially had the job was because of Danny Davis, but was there anyone in the locker room at the time that you connected with the most and was able to sort of have your back? Are you talking about in my earlier days or yeah, sorry, later? In your earlier days. Earlier days. Yeah. Uh, well, I think because um, I was Danny Davis's nephew, a lot of the guys uh, would look out for me and, and, you know, cause kind of like family. Yeah. And um, so there really wasn't any one person that, um, would I mean, buddy landale i mean rode up and down the road with him even though he was using me for a ride i didn't care i was getting knowledge of, i was getting valuable experience from him but he would kind of look out for me a little bit when riding up and down the road and talking and he would say hey you know when you're doing this you need to not uh you, you need to just shut your mouth and just listen yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah if somebody's trying to tell you something just shut, shut, shut the f up and listen yeah okay got it got it um there was, there was one instance um, where uh, it was one Tuesday night in um, Louisville Gardens. There was this battle royal. And th this was back when Sid Vicious was in, in Memphis, Tennessee, just before he went to go be Sid, uh, uh, Sid Justice, I think, up in the WWE. Yeah. Um, he came to Louisville to work with Lawler and, I guess, uh, home, I don't know, get ring condition. I don't know what, just work on his work i guess i don't know or wwe yeah. wanted to go there first just to get uh get things up to par so and when sid was there the houses were i mean they were they jumped up people wanted to come see this monster uh because he was just a specimen to look at and 
So there was one Tuesday night, and here I am. He's he was three hundred and eight. I remember this. He was three hundred and eighteen pounds, six foot nine, I think, six foot eight, something like that, seven, eight, nine. And I'm six two, and I was weighing in about a buck, buck eighty, buck seventy five. I don't know. Yeah, weighed me about over over a hundred pounds. And or same, yeah, and then. The winner of the Battle Royal got a shot, and this was when he was a champion. He beat Lawler, and he was he was a champion in, at the USW at the time. So the winner of the Battle Royal gets a shot at the title, gets a title shot that night. So somebody thought it would be a great idea if the hometown kid gets the title shot. So I win the Battle Royal. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be bad. Here we are. But then I was like, you know, no, no, not really. Because, you know, it's, you know, we all know how wrestling is. Okay, so I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So I win. Crowd goes ballistic for the hometown guy because Little Kentucky was supposed to be my hometown, even though I live in Indiana. They didn't need to know that. So I'm sitting there. I'm the only one in the ring. I'm in the middle. Raise my hand. Sid's music plays. He's walking down, walking down the aisle, and I'm going, "My God, he's impressive. <laughs> That's a big, big man." So he walks down. He gets in the ring, and he grabs a microphone. And he cuts a little promo and goes to congratulate me. Congratulations, you know, you're a young kid. Wants to be a red, want to be a superstar. Now you know what? If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. He stuck his hand out. Shake my hand, kid. So I went to go shake it. Of course, you know, you did a thing. Should I shake his hand? Should I shake his hand? Okay. I went to shake my hand. He slapped me in the side, upside of the head so hard. I saw stars and I, I didn't know what was going on. I went, what? What did I, did I say something wrong? <laughs> and that match, it only lasted about three or four minutes. He beat the living hell out of me. He bit me over where I was bent over like that. He football punted me, uh, American football punted me <laughs> in the stomach so hard I almost puked. He did it about four or five times. I mean, and then he would, he would club me on the back and I thought he was going to break my spine. And then when he, his finisher was the power bomb, right? <laughs> he picked me up and again, 318 pounds, big dude, 175 pounds wet. He didn't just power bomb me. He turbocharged, uh, put everything he had into it. And yeah, he threw me down so hard. I thought I was going through the mat. I hit my head on the mat. I was out cold. And back then, the referee was the old wrestler named the Angel. He come up, Frank Morrell. He comes over and goes, "Kid, you okay?" And I, 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 you know, I was I was glossy eyed, and he, he goes, "Oh, we got, he's hurt. <laughs> we need some assistance down here." So I was knocked. I mean, I was out. It took me a little bit to get out of the ring. So I go finally get out of the ring, get to the back, and everybody's gone because I obviously I've always always told you, thank you, sir. So that was Tuesday night, and I don't know if I had a concussion or whatnot. I don't know. I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't have insurance. Who cared? So Saturday was TV, right? So I get to uh, Memphis, Tennessee at the T at the arena or the uh, TV studio and Randy Hales, who was the booker comes up. Hey, I heard you had a good match uh, Tuesday night with Sid. I said, yes. Yes. It was great. <laughs> Remember buddy Landau? You just agree with everything. Don't say no. Don't complain. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Because what was I heard it was so good. We're going to put you on TV with Sid tonight or Sid this morning. I went. I almost, shit, I almost shit my pants. Is what happened. I'm like, oh no. I was nervous. My stomach was ate up. I was nervous. I was sweating bullets the whole time. 
and I got to go out and cut a promo. That's actually, you can YouTube that match on, uh, you can YouTube it. I've got it in my archive. It's, I watch it over and over again. So I'm thinking, I am going to get, I'm going to get beat up again. I, I, it's over. I'm, I'm done. I'm probably not going to make this one. So we go out there, and I don't know, I'm probably giving up some of the secrets of pro wrestling, but I don't care. I'm retired. We went out there, and I was expecting just to get my ass handed to me. Yeah. We go out there. I cut my promo. Sid standing up here by Lance Russell, and I'm <laughs> cut my promo, and he goes, go on, kid. Go on. And he's like, sometimes you just got to teach somebody a lesson. <laughs> I heard that, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, come on. Here we go. So we get in there, and the guy took care of me. Never, I didn't feel anything. Everything, if you it look, when you watch it, it looked like he just, looked like he killed me. Straight up professional. Straight up professional. That story, because I got another story to tell you about Sid. When he was asking me if anybody overlooked, you know, oversaw, looked, helped you out. Yeah. So, um, you, I guess a few months went by or whatever, and Sid had moved up. And then there was, this is back when, I can't remember what year it was. The Undertaker had these creatures of the night that were sitting in the crowd. The two people that were dressed in black um, with pale face. 95. When he was working, 95, when yeah. he was wrestling, uh, working with Kama, I think, uh, the, the Godfather now. Yeah. Yeah. So he had, he had these two people that were sitting in the crowd, and that was me and, and some other girl. And we sat there, and we're supposed to be two fans of The Undertaker. And the storyline goes, he has his fans and a wreath, and Kama was supposed to come out and destroy the two people and just get heat. So when I, I was there for that, um, the second time I went up there to do this on TV, um, I was walking down the hall, and you, you see Sid. He was walking down the hall, too. He looks up and goes, hey, Doug Basham. Hey, man, how you doing? He come, and, and I was like, as soon as I saw him, I got nervous, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, but he comes up and gives me a hug. He how you doing, kid? Hey, come here. I want to introduce you to some people. So he took me and introduced me to some uh, agents and stuff like that, people there. And again, I'm 175, 180 pounds wet, right? I'm a small guy. They, they didn't know I was a wrestler. They thought I was an actor. But uh, Sid's introducing me to these agents and all that and going, man, I'll tell you what, keep your eye on this kid. He, he's going to make it. Keep your eye on him. Don't forget this name. Don't forget him. And he introduced me to uh, some of the people up there and then small talk with me a little bit and said, you know, good luck, man. Good seeing you. And walked off. So... Sid ended up being the most scary man to me in the world to uh, one of the guys that put me over with the agents and some of the guys up here in WWE. And I guess maybe some of them kept, kept me under the, on the radar. So I made it. <laughs> wow. That's my Sid Vicious story. Is, do you think he, uh, he laid the beat down on you the first time to test you? Yeah, or... I think it was, it was initiation. Right, Okay. And once he knew that you were uh, man enough to take the beating and come back a second time and not complain about it. Absolutely. You're, you're that was it. In his book. Wow. Yep. Didn't complain. Didn't say nothing. Just went on with it. I told right. uncle Danny, I said, he beat the living hell out of me. He goes, good. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> good about All that. Right. He goes, he goes, are you hurt? No, it's okay. <laughs> I went, so I, that's my initiation. Okay. I got it. I got it. I'm over with Sid now, I guess, which I was, I guess, Good. I don't know. Yeah, I'm hopeful that we'll get him sometime. I, I know that we're, I'm talking to his, the guy that runs his podcast at the moment. Um, so I wanted to fast forward a little bit to 1998, July 5th. 
you won the OVW heavyweight title for the first time. Uh, and it appears that you worked a lot uh, or worked a little bit with Rip Rogers around that time as well. Um, yeah. How did it feel to be given this spot as, you know, the guy that's now, you know, the top guy in OVW? Well, uh, there was a little bit of time there that I, I, I took off from OVW and I took some time away from uh, OVW and rested to work on my body to do what I need to do, get bigger. Because uh, I think this was a time when um, OVW had the developmental territory come in with uh, Jim Cornette. Yep. And I saw all these guys coming in and all this talent coming in. And um, at the, I had gotten, I had an opportunity either to try to keep wrestling and starve or go to work at this Ford Motor Company factory and make a little bit of money while I be a weekend warrior and hone my skills then. So obviously I, I had to take the job because you got to make money, right? Yeah. So uh, you heard the term fake it till you make it, I guess. So, and at Ford, there was a first shift and a second shift and I was new in the company. So I was on second shift. I wasn't able to make OVW TV, um, but I would oh. come to the class, come to classes on the, on the weekend Sundays and train still when Rip was there and others. So, um, I had, I may be answering a future question you guys already have, but I, uh, Ford and Jim Cornette was trying to get me to come be on TV, be like, you got to switch, switch shifts, get on TV. And I want to have you on TV, yada, yada, yada. And, um, there was a Ford motor company had developed a third shift because a, a crew, B crew and a C crew and C crew was like a swing shift on the weekends. You had two mornings and two nights. It was rough, but it allowed me to be free through the week to do TV and also at nights, Friday and Saturday nights to do house shows. So um, when I knew this was coming, I had this idea of how I wanted to, to come in and introduce myself. And Jim Cornette had this idea and he threw it at me. And I watched the movie Eight Millimeter with Nicolas Cage. And there was this character in there called Machine wore the mask yeah. that would slice and dice all the, all the girls in there and kill them. Yeah. And I was like, that's me. That's who we need in OVW because nobody knows who he is. You know, when he uncovered him, they were like, it's you. Oh man. So that was kind of the storyline that Jimmy was wanting to follow. And I uh, brought that idea to Jimmy. He loved it. I went out and developed the character and then I, I got in there with OVW and then the storyline went. I was trying to undermine Danny, take over the company, take out all his top talent. I was jealous of Nick Dinsmore because I, he, you know, <laughs> I was like Nick Dinsmore. He wanted Nick Dinsmore to be his son and not me <laughs> or his nephew and not me. And yeah. of course I was mad and jealous. And then I just uh, tried to wreak havoc and became champion. And uh, that's kind of how all that developed. If that was the answer to the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was just, uh, you know, um, I had read, I mean, I haven't had the chance to see any footage, but I had read about that storyline and I thought it sounded like really interesting, um, especially working with your uncle and, um, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, I guess that led to you becoming the OVW heavyweight champion. Um, you know, how did that feel to, to be given that spot? Was that? Oh, it's, it's always good when a company, uh, would, would, uh, put all the weight of the company on your shoulders and, you know, you're the champion. They want you to be their champion. You got to uh, represent, I guess, the company and represent the, you know, in the storyline that they're putting you in. So it's always good whenever a company puts the straps on you. It means they're giving you a shot and giving you a chance and you see if you can run with it. Yeah. Um, so I, I also read that uh, as Machine, that the storyline uh, 
kind of concluded with uh, a retirement versus mass match against Nick uh, at the last dance on June 27, 2001. So it's quite some time that that uh, story went for. Um, tell us a little bit about that and the, the, the final match. Uh, it, it was a final match as the masked machine because uh, they built it up and it was, a, I think it was a big show at the Louisville Gardens and where it was a big venue and they brought in some WWE stars to be on the show and all on the uh, show as well to help build the card or to help build the, the, the crowd, which it was so, sold out. There were so many people there and the storyline was keyed up as a career against mask. And of course I knew I wasn't going anywhere and the mask was going to finally come off because it was, it was, uh, we did a pretty good job of hiding my identity because when people saw me before I was a skinny, right. <laughs> small, skinny guy. And when I came back, I mean, I was, I was jacked and I put on some, I put on a lot of weight and nobody didn't know that's not Doug because or nobody knew who it was. And I wore the mask all the time and kept my identity secret. So nobody knew, nobody knew who I was. So whenever the, it was the most awesome feeling was when we were in there and Nick beat me and I had to unmask and everybody was, it's like everybody was on the edge of the seat. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. And did the slow reveal and pap. Oh no, it's Doug Basham. That's Danny Nephew. Everybody, everybody was like, what? No. <laughs> Cause I used to be a likable good guy, you know, yeah. baby face back then. And then I turned heel and then it all made sense. And then I uh, got my heat, man. Got, got some good heat. That's awesome. That sounds so fucking like dramatic and, and just, just brilliant, man. Like, just... It, it was, man. That storyline, even after I was unmasked, I was still the machine, Doug Basham, but I was unmasked, obviously, uh, was probably the best work that I had been a part of, even, even in my WWE days, the storyline, because it was so long. It was such a soap opera. It, it was good, man. It was well written by Jimmy. Awesome. And well performed by me. <laughs> I just, um, want to, just want to chime in here carl yeah go for it man is this the same obw show that's uh sort of got some clips on the network where it's got sort of like uh i think it's edge and christian i think kane and undertaker were maybe on the show as well from memory um i know there's some very old and i think they have fan cam clips as well on the wwe network of um some old indie shows but it's got some like and it's from 2001 so the same time period I'm just wondering if it's from the same show as like um, as from when from when these clips are from. I know that uh, it's got Edge and Christian. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, Carl? Um, I know that like any time OVW did those big shows, whether whether this is the show that you're talking about or not, that you know those 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 big stars would always come in. Um, so maybe it was this time, but maybe those clips are from other times because I think it happened se several times. Either way, I can't remember been. if that show you're talking about if stone cold steve austin was there for that one oh, or, or and i think kane kane come down mm -hmm. and, and work wrestled with leviathan which is dave batista yeah and that's, that's a, the show that's the show yeah okay I think that's, that's the one, the one yeah yeah ah batista, cool the batista character's ringing a bell the one with, he's old uh with the chain around his neck and everything it's all <laughs> yeah, going through that. how awesome was that man um, awesome. he was a he was a specimen man <laughs> <laughs> um so I also uh, was watching some footage earlier about a, a group you had called the revolution, which had various members. Um, I couldn't really locate who exactly was in the group. I think Muhammad Hassan, uh, uh, John Morrison were also a part of it possibly. Um, but Victoria, 
a few others. Um, and then there was this, the segment that I watched was, um, I think you and Danny were uh, face-to-face with Jim Ross and Jim Cornette and you called out Brock Lesnar and then Benoit was <laughs> Lesnar's replacement for the match later on. And the crowd were hot and I was like, man, these guys are really good on the microphone. I wish they'd let them talk in the WWE. Um, tell me a little bit about the revolution and, and that run that that group had. Well, that was, um, that was, you're talking about the, in 2001 or 2002 era, I think, maybe 2003 yeah. too, just before I, I moved up, me and Danny moved up. Um, and actually that match you're talking about was, when Jim Ross was there was what actually got me. Oh, really? Got us moved up. Yeah. Cause I worked with Chris Benoit and that was the first time I'd ever been in a ring with Chris Benoit who, you know was one of my, actually one of my idols. You know, I wanted to yeah. be as physical and as aggressive as him and stuff like that. Um, so that was like a dream come true for me to work with him. And then, um, but having, it was, who was in the revolution? That day? It was uh, me and Danny, um, was it Nikita? The blonde, I had the blonde. Nikita was with me on, yeah. at that time. I think Jackie Gator. Was Jackie Gator was with, yeah, and uh, Victoria and, was in the ring with you guys. I'm not sure if there was anyone else. There. Oh, yeah, you know, no, it was. That's right. That's right. Victoria, yeah, it was Victoria. It was, that was before Nikita, before Victoria. Okay. She, was, she, she was on the road full time up there. So they were, we were working her way out of it so she could not come work her way out off the TV show. That's right. Because I remember I threw her in the ring uh, to distract, to get the heat. Um, and there was a guy, we called him, he was a guy, local guy named Smooth Johnny Spade. That's who the guy oh, was. Right. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was like our. We, we called him the Gimp, <laughs> like uh, um, Pulp Fiction. <clears throat> All right. Break yeah, out, yeah. Break out the Gimp. <laughs> <laughs> we had talked about dressing him up in a full leather body suit, but he said, "No, I'm not doing that." So okay. Um, so you know, and the Revolution had people coming in and out um, all the time. Whenever we had to replace people, and we there would be a storyline that would move one person out and move another one in. Um, and uh, what was the question again? I got went on a ramble here. Sorry. Oh, it was just just tell me about the run that the group had and and uh, your favorite memories of it. Oh God, um, I don't know if I can pick out one favorite memory at all because it was all so fun. And every time we'd come to TV, Jimmy would have it written out for us, and it it was so well written. It was in stages, and everything every TV meant something because it worked its way up to tell an end, end result of end story to a final uh, big Louisville Gardens pay-per-view, not a pay-per-view, but it would be like a pay-per-view, the, yeah. our big event. Um, and being able, to, being able to work, being the revolution, I, I, I thought we were like the main uh, faction in OVW because there was also Boland Services that, yeah. but I, I, and then they had the, uh, uh, the group with, uh, Leviathan and what were they called? The Sup of Pain or whatever. Can't even remember. But, you know, there's, Jimmy liked having those factions in there. I thought we were the main one. We had, I felt like we had the main storyline with Danny Davis and all that and always trying to undermine. But getting to work with um, a lot of the talent that come through that are now, that were, not now, I think there's some a lot of retired stars was probably the best, best part that I like. I remember about being uh, in the revolution because we were the main, I say we were the main storyline. You know, working with uh, Chris Benoit, working with Rhino, working with some of the guys that would come through that were yeah. injured and re- that had had neck surgeries and injured. You know, uh, Danny and Jimmy trusted me enough, or I'll just go ahead and say it, the most, to work with these guys and not hurt them. Yeah. yeah. Re-injure them. And I believe uh, the group Batista was in was called the Disciples of Sin. 
That's it. Yes. That's it. Um, and uh, before I throw it back over to Jack, um, I did want to ask you a little bit about like the, the end of that group. Uh, I believe you had, I think maybe you had a match with Danny. Uh, and after the match, the revolution attacked you. And then Danny made the save for you. Um, so that, that's, you know, I guess that's probably the, one of the final moments you had in OVW before you were called up or? Yeah, that was it. Um, Danny and I had already been called up. And so we were still doing OVW TV. And Jimmy, uh, this man, if you, you ever get Jimmy Cornette on your show, he can have him tell you a story. It's, oh, it's so funny. He's, he, he can go on and on and on and on, man. He's, he's awesome. But uh, OVW, or see, uh, WWE had put me and Danny together as the Basham brothers. And we, Jimmy had already, we had this feud going on down in OVW where we were fighting each other. So it's like the WWE totally screwed Jimmy by having yep. their top heel and their top baby face, were, you know, <laughs> wrestling each other. And then they made us brothers up there. So he had to come up with a creative idea to make it work. And so this is, this, that's kind of what he did. And the, the whole thing was I was, I, I was moved up. I had lived, I had moved to Florida, Tampa, Florida. So I, I was having to fly in and out. So they were wrapping me up with tv but danny still lived right there in the area so he could still come through tv so it was the loser leave obw for good that's it and uh, at that time i was like oh thank god i don't have to keep work i can go home and be home for two days three days instead yeah. of one um so that match happened um i lost obviously you know Danny won the belt. The crowd went absolutely nuts. It was perfect the way we did it. The crowd was super nuts. And then I was cut a promo. You know, Danny cut a promo saying, you know, it was great. Uh, toughest SOB I ever wrestled, blah, blah, blah. But he was the man. And then they come into the ring with me and I cut a promo and I was like, hey, you know, it's been a great run. Uh, but, you know, it's over. He was the best. You know, Danny was a better man and he dissolved the revolution. It's over. But then Rob Conway uh, said, no, it's not over. Gave me the ego trip. And then they kicked me and beat me down. And the way Jimmy set it up, he set up this way because we were on going to be on TV yeah. where I was sitting there and I was, ah, it's over. And he beat me up, come out, save me, and just gave that look like, see you on TV, bro. Yeah. Cool. So it's kind of, Jimmy kind of helped, helped obviously save the storyline in OVW and also helped us in OVW or in uh, WWE as well. Excellent. Over to you, Jack. So when uh, WWE would start being more prominent behind the scenes in OVW, uh, did that lead to turmoil, turmoil when they would start to try uh, to sort of insert what they wanted into OVW? Say it again. Um, uh, I didn't hear you. I'll repeat the question. Um, so when WWE would start being more prominent behind the scenes at OVW, uh, did that lead to turmoil when they would try to insert what they wanted into OVW? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy wrote the TVs, you know, and he would always think that um, WWE is always trying to, you know, screw up his TV and, and screw with him just to have fun and poke, poke fun. But uh, Jimmy was pretty, pretty, pretty clever, pretty smart. Uh, written TV knows how TV is supposed to be uh, written, and uh, Jimmy always had an answer to anything they threw at him. He always had an answer and always made it work. So yeah, they would try to throw some curveballs at him, but Jimmy was, you know, a step ahead of him. So um, 
in 2001, uh, what was it like when there was an influx of talent after the end of WCW as well? I can imagine there would have just been so many guys coming in, wanting their shot, wanting to just do what they can do to make the best of that situation they were in. And obviously for all you guys that were still at OVW and you'd been there for so long. Uh, so how was that for you guys uh, on your end when there was that influx of talent after the end of um, WCW? Well, whenever all that happened was when OVW got the got the um, WW developmental contract, and that was the yep. developmental territory. So they're bringing all these guys in. So we welcomed it. We're like, all eyes are on us. Yeah. So it was a good thing these guys were coming in, and it was an even better thing for the uh, the guys like me, Damage, Danny Holly, Rob Conway, Nick Dinsmore, because we work with these guys, and the. OVW TV, we were working with John Cena, we were working with Randy Orton, we were working with Dave Batista, we were working with Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, and uh, the whole slew of uh, Victoria, the whole slew of others that come through. So whenever WWE um, uh, creative was watching these, watching these tapes of these guys, they were seeing us as well. So we got, we got some exposure too. So it was, it was good. It was a good, it was a good thing. Excellent. Do you have any sort of stories about us? Uh, oh, that's just when you think about it, how stacked that roster is and how, how <laughs> the, the amazing things those guys did. I mean, that's Batista, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Randy Orton, Shelton Benjamin. I mean, you could just go on and on. Do you have any like sort of cool stories about those guys from back in the day? Probably none I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to play X rated, R rated, PG, what? No. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, I was, um, like, like, what do you want? I'll have to, you'll have to help me out a little bit more. I mean, your wrestling stories, you want outside of the ring stories? Yeah, outside want... of the ring. Let's, let's, uh, let's go outside, outside of the ring yeah. stories about those guys are a little less common. So let's try that. And also for the record, we also, we have no limits on the show. So you, whatever you feel, whatever you feel your, is your limit, you go for it. <laughs> The thing back then, um, uh, I didn't hang out with a lot of the guys after the shows and stuff like that um, because I, I had other responsibilities I had to take care of. And uh, so, and they were here and they would, they, a lot of guys would go out. Uh, do you guys remember Sean O'Hare? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, <laughs> Irish guy, obviously big, scary looking dude, loved to fight. Um, there, we, there was this place we, we would go, and he invited, he said, hey, Doug, why don't you come out with us? And of course, because I, I never went out. I didn't go out. You know, I, I stayed home. I didn't go do that. I didn't do so much. But he, he was like, man, come out, man. Come on. I said, come out. I'm like, Sean, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll come out with you and have a, have a drink or two, and then I'll leave. So we get there, and uh, there was um, a group of us there, a group of us sitting off the side, and, you know, had some drink you know you know rest in peace sean but a group was there and uh there's there something was 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 happening over off the side with one of the guys that who were like uh not a main roster guy but like a guy training and wanted to come in and be with us because we were one big family and some big dude was kind of messing with this guy and and uh sean just stands up and goes hey you're messing with my friend the guy turns and looks and goes Oh, all right, man. <laughs> and this is another big dude, another big dude. You know, and Sean just steps up. It's like, <laughs> like that. Uh, 
like as, as far as other stories, man, I really don't have a lot because I didn't go out and after afterwards and hang out and uh, party if that's what you want to call it, stuff like that. So yeah, I don't cool. have a lot of I don't have a lot of juice. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to now start getting to uh, your WWE run. Um, you know, when was the first time you found out that they were interested in bringing you Danny in as a tag team? Um, after our match with, uh, or a match with Chris Benoit, I think uh, a little bit, a couple, a week or two before that, um, Danny had worked with Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle came down. Wow. And had a pretty good match with him too. So when Jim Ross come down to do the TV um, with and Benoit was there and Brock was there and, and I think Randy Orton, I think Randy, no, Randy, Randy was at the other one, I think come down um he had some one-on-one -on -one time with jim ross and could tell him about the matches that we had and give him tapes so jim ross could watch it and see it and then uh, they brought us up and funny story when they brought us up is um i had went on the road prior to danny coming up so when john cena got moved up to do ruthless aggression before he went on to be you know john cena um, I had gotten moved up too to do dark matches and me and John, you know, John had been up there, uh, a little bit before, maybe a few weeks before me. And then me and John, we, we rode, we rode around together, um, uh, and road buddies, I guess you call, call us. So we'd ride around together and I'd had a lot of dark matches and, uh, they were looking at me and then they brought Danny up cause Jim Cornette had pushed to Jim Ross. Hey, you're not going to find a better tag team than these two guys here. So then when Danny came up, we did a dark match. And then the next, next week, uh, let's see who, who we work. We worked with, um, can't remember who we worked with on dark, all these headshots, but I'll just get to where I was going with the story. They, yeah. they, they didn't, they didn't know what they're going to do with us. We were, we were going, they were going to debut us and they didn't know what they were going to do with us. So we were sitting in catering and we knew we were going to work. We just didn't know with who or, or what we were going to be. So Johnny Ace comes, comes to the table and says, Hey guys, um, we're going to work with Rikishi and, and uh, Spanky. And uh, you guys are going to go over, tag team mover, and we're going to call you the Basham Brothers. Of course, I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, love it. And Danny's going, yeah, all right. Yes, that sounds great. But inside he's like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny he looked at me after he goes well i guess i'm your brother bro I'm like, well, welcome to the family so uh that was that was our when we found out we we're going to be the bastion brothers and then there was one uh, the our debut was with rikishi and spanky and then the next week we worked with eddie and uh tajiri i think they were the tag champs i think right we yeah had, yeah we worked with them and uh charlie haas and shelton benjamin they were the I think at that I don't know I think they were called the world's greatest tag team at the, at the time yeah and I yeah, think yeah. they they were they were in a program with Eddie Eddie and Tajiri I think and we had an amazing match with Eddie and Tajiri I mean it went perfect I mean it was it was great couldn't couldn't have been better and I, I heard uh someone told me that who was it that said it I can't remember who who came up told me this they said well Shelton was sitting back there watching your all's match Shelton and Charlie and Shelton turned to Charlie and says, why do I feel like somebody just stole my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Having a good match, I guess. We stole the girlfriend. But there, there's a backstage story for you. 
Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Um, I was also just looking on uh, online, and it appears that the first match you had as a team might have been at a SmackDown house show in Fort Myers against A Train and Chris Canyon. Um, yes, I think I think I do remember that. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. I remember that. It was like I can't remember. The building was an odd looking building. Uh, I don't remember if it was Chris Canyon. I can't remember, but I, I, it probably was. But I remember A Train because we had to uh double suplex him and uh that we got we got really good reviews um on that uh that how she'll run on that loop ah, cool, cool. i think that's when they finally came and said we're gonna debut you guys yeah thank you you jogged my memory <laughs> <laughs> cool um i also wanted to ask you you know you're entering the wwe now at a pretty important time in wrestling history um how was the locker room back then when you first you know entered and and were the guys welcoming of uh, some new guys it's just like any freshman going on any type of uh varsity team you know you're the new guy you know and that's where you, you do what you're supposed to do be polite um uh listen do what you do what you're told shut your mouth <laughs> and then, and, until until it's your time you know because you gotta you know you gotta prove yourself prove that you're you're worthy of being there and that is shown through your work and how you are as a person and how you conduct yourself so um it's up to you how welcomed you are absolutely we we pass the test <laughs> i can you know, imagine ha so. like, like hazing of ha hazing of the new new guys you know how did you feel about being asked to shave your head didn't mind whatsoever because I started going bald back here. And it was I was watching that, that segment where you were calling out Lesnar and I'm like, oh, okay, so when they asked him to shave the head, he was probably like, yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm okay with it. And as you can see, I've, I've kept the hairstyle. <laughs> Cheap and easy. Cheap and easy. Well, but oh, well, man, did you hear the story about Jim Cornette when I shaved my head and I come no. back? Oh, oh, you've got... He has a, when you guys have time, there's a Jim Cornette podcast. Yeah. And you got to listen, you've got to listen to it because he tells a story way better than I will, but I'll try and give you the, uh, the gist of it. So um, <laughs> went up there, me and Danny were doing a loop and uh, Johnny Ace wanted to see what, what I look like with my, my head shape, see how me and Danny would look, which was why they wanted to make us the Basham brothers. I think he had that plan. So I went to the, the, whatever seem uh whoever cuts hair the i call it the barber shaved my head and went back to johnny this, this is it this is what we look like and then uh uh come back to ovw uh because we flew in <laughs> the, the loop was the loop was over on tuesday and you fly back home wednesday morning and then we had ovw tv on wednesday night i show up to the arena Cause I used, I had a, I had a moulet, a mullet, yeah. right? And a, yeah. a hair back here. I, Cause I couldn't grow it up here, but I grew it back there. So I had that and you know, I had a long like that on for a reason. One, it's a mullet. Two, when you get hit the hair fly and uh, three, it was easy. Um, <laughs> so I get, I show up to the arena and Dan and, and Jim Cornette sees me and he blew again. What the is, what the, did you do how come you cut oh he he cut he just went off went off went off and the main thing you guys he goes why the hell you look like a 40 year old truck driver i'm like thanks jimmy i don't look like 40. i was like 30 i think i was 30 29 or 30 
at the time. You look like a 40 year old truck driver. God dang it. Blah, 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 blah. It, was, it wasn't funny then, but it's funny now. Uh, but yeah, so he thought that they wanted me just to cut my hair just because, uh, just to get it, get it Jimmy. But I think their vision, they wanted to see what we look like. You couldn't imagine it. Jimmy's like, you couldn't imagine what it looked like, Paul. You had to go ahead and cut his hair. We could have had a hair match. He could have lost it. Oh my God. You just <laughs> He's just thinking about yeah. what could have been done. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that would have been great because I, I could have lost my hair, you know, and that, that would have been yeah, that would have yeah. been a great angle, you know, because that would have helped build another star, cut my hair. Yeah, for sure. It would have been great, but hey, I was not upset at all. Well, I'll tell you what, Doug, I, I've I've been going through the same thing with my hair uh, for many years. The 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 thinning of the hair right at the back, right at the front, and I'll tell you what, my friend, I have joined the club. Let's see what you got, buddy, my man. My man, it's bald's beautiful, bro. Oh man, it's so much easier after you've had a shower. You just you 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 dry in two seconds. You don't have to worry oh, about it. And you, you pay no more for haircuts. You do it yourself, right? <laughs> like I shaved my head five years ago, and I won't lie, I do miss it. I miss the feeling. I miss the feeling. Like, but having this, I'm due for a haircut. That's the thing. I've got to go you know what? Don't no. Look, you got hair that goes to the front of your head, Jack. Don't. It's nice, isn't it? Be, be happy. Be proud of that because I wish I had that. I never had that. So <laughs> hang on to that, Jack, for as long as you can, bro. <laughs> because if if I could grow hair everywhere, I probably would have a full head of hair too. So me too. I'll give you it know? a go, but you know, uh, everyone in my family is you know balding, all in the same spot as well. I noticed so. I would uh, assume once you get to that age, yeah, right about, <laughs> right about there. So <laughs> once you get to that age, oh, my dad's going to be looking like Hulk Hogan soon. So <laughs> yeah. then it, it's time just to just to let it go, just cut <laughs> off. Exactly, um, Jack. Go it's over to you now, bro. Um, <laughs> Shanika joins the team. Um, to me, I think that's a, I think I, in my eyes that was a, that was a great combination. You guys, Shanika, it's just it's unique. Uh, what was your thoughts on it, and how was uh, how did you feel like she blended into uh, the stable? Well, Shaniqua was a, an amazing athlete. Um, she played basketball. She was a, a star athlete in high school. She was a, a star athlete at Rutgers University in basketball, and just she had a tremendous athletic ability. And she was just a, a specimen. I mean, she yeah. was ripped more than me. She was jacked. I mean, she looked, she, she looked like a, she looked like a, a darker China, mm -hmm. a little bit smaller, a little bit yeah. smaller, darker China. Um, she really didn't know wrestling that well and kind of, I, I don't know this. You'd have to ask her about my opinion and I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I, I, you know, I think she saw this, this tough enough thing and was wanting to try another chapter in her life and saw something, uh, competition, you know, cause she was very, uh, competitive. So she saw a competition. She came, she won, she kicked its butt and came with us. And, uh, the reason the, they put her with us is because one of the writers in WWE went to a Britney Spears concert and they knew that me and Danny wore black leather pants. And I guess Britney, uh, had on like an S and M costume and all her dancers had black leather pants on and the writer said that gave him the idea of having uh some dominatrix uh with with the two guys and create a story we didn't really care what they did with us we just wanted to work um really didn't know much about s&m or how it worked so i had yeah. to research a lot of that i think shaniqua did too 
and they they sent us this never aired but they sent us to new york and uh there's a lot of crazy things in new york right didn't know these things existed they sent us they rented out this building that when you go in people pay money to go in to get tortured i guess guys yeah. by women yeah. there, there's like these chairs looks like a electric chair and it's got these devices on it and there's stuff hanging on the wall and i'm like what in the hell is this there's padded rooms there's one room that has this big thing that you get on it goes around and around and around there's a there's a donkey in there that you lay on there was a bird cage <laughs> in there there was this this torture rack bed that had these shackles on it i mean it was it was something else so we went in there and this this was how they were going to introduce us you know how the wwe used to they would uh do like these promo packages for a star before they go out there so it kind of yeah. introduces them it's kind of yeah. what they were doing with doing with us and we did all this stuff in this place and this the a real dominatrix was coming in and working with shaniqua trying to teach her how to be wow. know, dominant and here's a story. I'll tell you this story. Okay, you want stories? Here's a, okay. It's all coming back. <laughs> Here so. We go. <laughs> so me and Danny are in this this building, and the dominatrix was talking to Trina Shaniqua and said, "You need to dominate these boys. You need to let them know who the boss is." And Shaniqua, she goes, "Now, now try it." Shaniqua did something, was trying whatever, and uh, the the domina or whatever you call her said, "Nope. Let me show you." And she gets near me and Danny. She said. Stand next to each other. And we just kind of stand straighten up, stand next to each other. We go, ooh, okay. So we get like next to each other. And she just and this woman was probably five foot. She wasn't very big, but she would you could see she looked like she was in pretty good shape. And uh probably at the time me and Danny, we were I was I was thirty. I guess I was in my 28, 29, 30. I can't remember how old I was when I moved up. And Danny is like five years younger than me. So here we are, two young kids, and this was a late thirties early 40s woman you could tell you know attractive she was attractive um tells us get on your knees and me and danny just kind of looked and like what she took her hand grabbed danny's junk and squeezed it he goes oh and guess what i did i dropped on my knees real quick <laughs> okay <laughs> well he's staying, he's slowly getting down to his knees and then she had this like little whip thing was kind of hitting us and asking us questions and telling us you speak when I tell you to speak. So, and then, uh, then it was Shaniqua's turn. <laughs> it was Shaniqua's turn and she tried to do the same thing except she didn't do the, you know, the, the, the nut, nut squeeze. She left that out, <laughs> but she was being a little more dominant. And then after that, we had to film something where me and Danny were giving her, I guess some pleasure. So we had her laying <laughs> over, <laughs> over this, over this donkey and she was laying backwards and had her head up like that. And we had these paddles and we were whapping her in the, right on the, right on the ass. And we were hitting her hard because she was hitting up with paybacks, right? So we see, yeah. she was hitting us with that leather whip thing. And it was like, mother, stop. stop. But you know, we couldn't say stop because we didn't want like a couple of, you know, you know what that is. Yeah. Um, so we were hitting her so, so hard. And we were we were messing up on purpose. Oh, we messed up. Can we try it again? Like, yeah. okay. And we, wow, oh man, I'm sorry, I messed up. So we we did that. We messed with her and uh, messed up a few times on purpose so we could you know get her. But she was a good sport, man. She took it like a champ, and uh, 
but as far as in ring and working with her, she was quite a specimen. And I wish now me and Danny had that, had the belief of, you know, the, a lot of the focus needs to be on the ring and the wrestlers and not necessarily the, the manager, but in the WWE, they kind of, they, they kind of think of things a little different. You know, if we would have, if I'd have had, if I can go back and redo and live that part of my career over again, I would have done a lot of things different and I would have put more of the focus on Shaniqua because she's the one that was the main focus of the match. We were just, we were just earrings, man. We were just, you yeah. know, ornaments. she was the Christmas tree. She was the main focus. So if I'd have, if I could have go back and redo some things, it would have been done totally different. She would have been more the main focus. Uh, I would have spent a little bit more time um, talking to her about the psychology and why we're doing stuff because me and Danny wanted the match to be focused on us and less her, but right. the WDB, I think wanted to be more on her because she was just a, she, she was a, she was a China, you know, she was a, yeah. a she was a, a sight to see. You just don't see very often because she was Jack and, and you know, she just, she looked good in the outfits that she wore. And uh, yeah, she was gorgeous. Oh, she was just jacked. And of course, you know, I, I saw that visually and I was like, I can't let this woman jack at me. I got to get in better shape, which I didn't know how to do. <laughs> but uh, th- yeah, it's working with Shaniqua or, or work with Linda. It, it was good and it was fun while it lasted. I just wish I would have done a few things different and put more of the focus on her and have more highlights with her. Um, but you know, we I had we had to work to her limitations also. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that's 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 my uh, Linda Miles. That's wish we did things story. a little bit different. <laughs> the New York, the, I don't even know what that place was called. New York Torture Chamber. I don't know what it was called. <laughs> I've never been to a place like that before in my life. <laughs> Probably won't ever again. Neither have I, and I don't, I don't think I ever will. But well, you should. You should go try it out. You should usually experience it at least once. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they got some there in Perth. <laughs> oh, definitely. I know that they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, sort of moving on from. Uh, the SMM gimmick into something a bit more fun. Uh, well, not fun, actually awesome looking back at it. You end up winning the WWE World Tag Team Championships from the Los Guerreros in uh, Eddie Guerrero and uh, Chava Guerrero on October 3rd in 2003. October 23rd, to be precise, Jack. 23rd, sorry. In sorry. <laughs> 03 or 02? It'll be 03? No, 02. Uh, yeah, it has to be 03. Yeah, so you didn't, you didn't put the year on the here, so. Sorry, my bad. Um, that would have been a massive moment for you guys. Uh, how is that finally? So you're in the WWE. This is your first championship. That's a, that's a massive moment. Um, how was that for you? It was uh, a dream come true. Oh. There was a couple of things in my career that I wanted. One, I wanted to work for Vince. I wanted to work for the WWE. When I got there, I was like, oh, one down. Two, I wanted to work with uh, a couple of the stars, my, my idols, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, you know, Undertaker. I want to work with these guys just so I could say, oh, I did it. When I finally did, that was two things checked off. Three, I wanted to be in a WrestleMania. Was in WrestleMania 20, where, they, where it all begins again and walking uh, out yeah. the Madison Square Gardens. Oh, yeah, there, yeah. If, if, I don't know if they caught it, but when me and Danny walked through those doors and come out, there was about a split second where I came totally out of character. And I went, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh shit, run, run, run. 
there's a split second where I took it all in. I was like, Oh my God, this is why I did this. Right. All those bumps, all the training, everything. This is it. But there, I don't know if you, if they caught it or whatever, but you, there was a noticeable moment. And then uh, the final thing was to be uh, a champion of some sort, tag, intercontinental, TV, international, heavyweight, didn't matter, you know, in WWE. Yeah. And we did that. So all four things checked. Uh, amazing. And w- winning him from Eddie was one of, one of the guys that I admired and wanted to, wanted to work, one of my uh, guys that I watched when I was moving up because he could technical wrestle. He was entertaining. Um, winning him from them was, well, we didn't win them. You know, they, they kind of, they, they, you don't win anything. You just go through the store and they hand them down to you and you represent the company as champions. But uh, after it was over, me and Danny came through the gorilla and walked and got, you know, back in the, the back area. And, and I was waiting for Chavo and Eddie. And Eddie comes through. Chavo came through. Hey, thanks. And we said, thank you, Chavo. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And gives a hug. And he said, thank you much. And Eddie comes up and says, good job, boys. And I'll try to talk like Eddie. Good job, boys. Now, represent the company and wear them proud. Good job. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I was like, looking at Danny like, oh, did we win him? We him, win him. We won him from Eddie. <laughs> you know, two, two great superstars, two great guys too. So that was uh, a pivotal moment. I couldn't, it was, it was a dream come true. So I could say that was yeah. check, check box number one. Uh, amazing, man. So glad to see that you were able to uh, check off the, the four things that meant most to you. Um, that's just, you know, uh, it, it feels good knowing that someone got to have their dream come true. It, you know what, man? And the thing is, too, in my life, um, I you know, always wanted to be a professional wrestler. And whenever I was uh, just growing up and trying to become a professional wrestler and going through training and all that, you, I, I would hear whispers of people kind of making fun of me and making fun of oh, he's going to be a wrestler. He's going to be working in bingo halls and all this. And oh, yeah. these people who used to be wrestling fans in our town, people would kind of make fun of him a little bit. Oh, a little bit. He'll, they'll be their number one fan. But then, uh, I guess, uh, I don't want to say revenge, but success is the sweetest. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm for? I mean, Revenge, I guess. I don't know. Success is Redemption. the sweetest. There you go. So when I would come back to the town, these same people were coming up. Oh man, hey Doc, can I get your autograph? You got a picture? Can we get a picture with you? So it was, it felt pretty good, and uh, let them know that it's just like if you want to be a professional football player, man. You play football in high school, you play football in college, then you make it to the NFL, man. Is it kind of the same with what I got? It's a professional um, sport, uh, professional sports entertainment, and not everybody can do it, man. Yeah, well, that's what I want to say. I was like, you try it, see if you can do it. But I, I did it, so it was, it's something I always hold in my, you know, I did it, I made it. Cool, bro. Um, I wanted to ask you about the point in time where they took Shaniqua off TV. I don't know if she got released or if she was sent to do extra training. I've got a little bit of, um, I'm not, my research is a little bit conflicted. Some say she went to OVW, others say that she got released. Um, and this is also, um, after you both lost the, the titles as well. What did you think, first of all, of them taking her off TV and out of the, the group and um, also losing the titles? And it seemed like the push that the team had went away for a little while before you were in the cabinet. 
um, and you're doing velocity and, and, and putting over, you know, a bunch of the teams. Um, what was going on all there? Shaniqua got off t- taken off TV twice. Once because she went to get uh, implants. Yeah. And that yeah. was when we had a, we had a match with uh, APA and, and Bradshaw gave her the clothesline from hell. And yeah. that was that was supposed to take her out. And then she came back because she had surgery. And the second time, um, I think Shaniqua had went to Vince and was trying to get talk to him about something. And I think I heard Vince tell uh, Johnny Ace uh, she must have rubbed Vince the wrong way oh. or something. And Vince said, send her back to OBW, you know, get her, get her off my TV. And then I think I didn't help situation any when we were going to drop the titles to Rikishi and Scotty, uh, me and Danny were like, man, are they doing it just on regular TV? Why wouldn't they do that on a pay-per-view and, and build it? And I, I said something to uh, Michael Hayes about that. And uh, Michael Hayes is like, why you, I made a cardinal, cardinal sin, big mistake. I opened my mouth. I should have kept my mouth shut. So to Damn anybody listening to this out there, when you get up there, the boss tells you to do something, shut your mouth and do it, especially if you're new. Um, right. so I said, why, why wouldn't we drop him on a pay-per-view? And, uh, Michael Hayes look, had that look on his face. When he had that look on his face, I went, Oh God, I said, Oh, why did I, I just, oh, oh. man, I can't believe you have to be on such eggshells there. Like yeah, we were new. Just, you just asked a question. I mean, and it makes sense. Well, it's what the boss wanted. So Michael, you can go ask the boss. Oh, and I'm thinking, might as well. Yeah. Yeah come back and said it's because that's what vince wants and i was like yes sir <laughs> it was everything from there and after that we dropped the titles after that we were on velocity for about a year uh we went to house shows and we were putting people over left and we said we didn't care if we put people over it's, there, there is yeah, no yeah. win loss column we didn't give it we didn't care we just wanted to work so we were on the road we were working having good matches i don't know if it was like put them on the road and see how they react to losing every night but little did they know we, we didn't care. We were, we were working and we'd go out and we'd had great matches every night with, with it didn't matter. I mean, we put Zach Gowan over. Yeah. A, a one-legged guy that was uh, no bigger than either one of you two. Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't care. We had entertaining matches. We're glad to be working, getting paid. And then there was a little stint there where we were off TV and then uh, we did, we'd come back and did this tough enough thing. Yeah. And then was with JBL in the cabinet. Right. Yeah. I just, man, just, it just blows my mind. It's a multi-million dollar company and a billion dollar company. And someone asks one question and the punishment goes for so long. Like, gee, uh, I just don't understand that, that thought process. Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero told me this. He said, he said this, he goes, no win to no win. And I'm like, they don't win i think i understand what you're what you're saying i think okay no one to right. open your mouth and no one to shut it yeah. <laughs> basically that's what he was saying you said it nicely <laughs> um, uh, eddie uh, eddie and i talked a lot he he kind of took me under his wing was helping me and coaching me along and, and helping me understand some of the politics of uh wrestling so and i hated it when he passed away because my mentor i guess who was teaching me you know when to know when uh mm. passed on so that was that was a big loss i hated that yeah I hated that he passed on but... me too um he's one of my one of my favorites um oh yeah i wanted to uh ask you what it was like working with the dudleys 
uh, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I know you guys got to have a few matches with them, I'm sure. We did. We had some house shows. It was it was gravy. It was gravy, man. It was easy, and it was it was great. We go out there and tear the house down, have a good time, and we knew the people. When you see the Dudleys, what do they want? They want waza, and they wanted get the tables. So yeah. it was so easy, and the match was irrelevant. We go out there and have an entertaining match and do whatever they do their stuff. We'd get heat on them, and uh, I'd get nut shotted, and Danny go through a table. <laughs> <laughs> cool man. Easy, and it, it was fun. It was fun, man. They were easy, great guys to work with. Um, so you do join JBL's cabinet as the secretaries of defense. Um, so now finally you're, you're, you're getting back to where you're kind of at and you're, you're getting a bit more of the push. Um, uh, so how did that all come about, uh, the idea behind it and, and what was it like working with John? Oh, how we got there was you guys remember the tough enough, uh, was it tough enough three, I think with like Daniel well, Pewter. Yeah. Daniel Pewter and all them guys. Well, a couple of um, segments before that, a couple of the stars kind of got, you know, uh, embarrassed a little bit because I think yeah. Daniel Pugh, Keylock, Kurt Angle. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, the big show did a body slam challenge. The guys were popping straight up like it didn't hurt. Yeah. And then they, Vince said, we can't have that. Then they, they had a segment where they did dressed up as, you know, girls and all this other stuff to try and take the heat off of what, what had happened. And then they had uh, they had a segment where me and Danny had to guard a flag behind us, and the the boys had to get through us to get the flag. Whoever got the flag, you know, got so many points or won whatever. Yeah. So that day we were told we were going to be doing that segment, and that segment was a one hundred percent shoot. There was no work. It was full on competitive competition. So do you guys remember Hugh Morris? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he wound me and Danny. Me and Bill Knott were really good friends, by the way. Really good yeah. friends. That went to his wedding and everything. Really good friends. Um, so, but Bill Knott, he he wound us up that day and said, "Boys, you know why they put you in this? Because me and Danny had been off TV for a while, and you know yeah. we've been just doing Velocity, and this could have been the opportunity for WWE to get rid of us." or yeah. do, do, do what they did yeah. and build them up brought that to light he goes you guys know what's at stake right and we're like what well if you don't if any of those boys get that flag yeah we went didn't he so we were getting ourselves worked up and build them on every chance he got all day long reminded us of that and said do we? and he was like do whatever you have to do to keep them boys from getting past you. It doesn't matter what you have to do. Rip their hair out. Choke them. Choke them out. You do not let them get past you. And we were like, yeah. and then we were like, we're sitting there, we're getting worked up. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got, mm -hmm. they're not going to get past us. Yeah. And then we, we get into the ring to walk, you know, before the whole show starts, Vince is in there. The, the tough enough kids were there. Me and Danny's there. And we walk around the segment. Al Snow is up there. We're all going through everything. And then uh, the segment's kind of over. And Vince comes over to me and Danny. And he goes, boys, uh, you see that flag over there, right? And we go, yes, sir. He goes, short of killing anybody and sending them to the hospital, do not let them get past you. Yeah. 
what do you think was just said there? Exactly. You get the flag, you're fired. <laughs> Basically. Wow. So Jeez. we were like, God damn. Fresh, fresh is uh, on. <laughs> it was like, if, if they get past us, we're fired. We're done. And me and Danny went back. We talked about it. And we said, whatever we got to do. Said a hospital, choke them out, eye gouge, thumb in the nose, fish hook, whatever. They're not getting past us, whatever we got to do. So that's the mentality when we went out there to do that. That's what we, that's what we thought. And we didn't know this until the whole thing went, well, we went out there and we stopped them. So, and it, it, Danny, one of the guys that hit Danny so hard, it, it cracked his bone, knocked his eye socket oh, out. Shit. It broke, broke one of my teeth. So I was bleeding. Danny was, Danny was hurting. He had to go to the, I think he went to the doctor when we went back home. He didn't let anybody know that, but he went back and goes, man, I, bruised my orbital bone or whatever it's like it was real so after we had done that um we found out that they had charlie hoss and bob holly waiting on deck so if somebody got past us they were going to replace us and put them out right. there to keep yeah. so they had them on deck we didn't let them do it so we went through everybody and there were some big strong dudes there and then daniel pewter finally got up and he got the closest and the only reason he got as close as he did was because me and Danny, our arms were jelly. We were like, yeah. mm, sucking wind because conditioning for uh, amateur wrestling and doing what we do, it's, it's different. It's totally different. And we were not conditioned to do that. Hold them down, all your strength, all for the moment. But anyway, we stopped them. So what had happened, how we got with JBL is the Undertaker and JBL had went to the boss. And they said, um, and the undertaker told me this, actually, told me that um, the, the boss put you boys in jeopardy. So it's, it's time to, you guys need to be rewarded because you yeah. guys you guys went out there and represented and did what you were supposed to do. Yeah. And uh, so they came up with the idea to put us with JBL and JBL's cabinet because he was he had Orlando Jordan and then um, that girl who was his. Oh, publicist. man, what's her name again? Amy something. Yeah, Amy... We got, uh, we, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, then, so then the following week, they were going to introduce us as his cabinet. And that's when I think uh, Eddie Grill and um, Booker T, I think they were the champions at the time, I think. Was that right? I believe. Uh, yeah. Yes. And they were, I can't remember who they were working that, that night, but me and Danny were sitting in the crowd. Well, actually, no, they were going to have us, Booker T actually stepped up and, and spoke up for us. They were just going to have us run down and interfere and do something. And Booker T said, oh, hell no, 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 hell no. So if we're going to bring these boys in. They're going to make an impact. Let's do it right. He said, let's have them sitting in the crowd and come out of the crowd and, and uh, douche us both. So that was Booker set it up and made it more right, cool. than what they originally had. So, you know, Booker T, because, you know, he wanted to, if, we, if they were going to work with us, he wanted to make sure there was a, a legit reason other than just running down. So, you know, we had Matt had mask on. I think Danny did. We had on Eddie Guerrero t-shirts and all that. And then Booker was on the outside of the ring. I think Danny dropped Booker. Eddie was on the top of the ring. I came up and I, I dropped Eddie and then cost him the match. And, uh, uh, but then we had our, we had our program started off our program with JBL. And then we had our program with, uh, um, Eddie and, and Booker after that. So that, that's all how right. that happened. And I believe that that girl's name was Amy Weber. Amy yeah. Weber. Oh my gosh, yeah. I got a story. I got a story for you. Please. I I got a good story for you. 
speak see it all it all comes back we were um we were doing a show over in japan right i hope i don't get in trouble for saying this but I, i'm not wrestling anymore who cares um we were overseas in japan and they were doing that's when jbl there was a segment where jbl was uh uh act like he got tranquilized and he was wandering around the whole this is when he and big show were having their uh feud yeah and, um me and danny went out uh, just to go see Japan. I think we we're in Tokyo. Just went out to wander around. We we're going out late not that not one night to eat, find something to eat. And we went to this little district, and these people over there in Japan, people come up and hand you these cards. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, you got to go. You, you guys go. It's advertising for strip clubs, basically, is what it is. Yeah. So we get the we get this card, and when we look at it, we go, and we look at each other, and I go, Danny, is that who I think it is? And Danny looks at it and goes, oh, my God, it is. On their advertisement, they had a picture of Amy Weber. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Weber on there. And we, we take that car. And we go, we got to show the boss, the boss being JBL. So we took it yeah. back to JBL and showed it to JBL. And then uh, we had some fun with that. So um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the story there. But, uh, we had some fun with that. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I, I remember hearing something slightly about that many years ago. Um, oh, there's a, there's a, there's more, there's a lot more of the story, but I'm, <laughs> that's okay. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> but it was uh, awesome. Uh, Jack, it's, uh, it's back over to you. We're up to the part where they are. The uh, Bashams won the tag titles the second time. Yeah, sure. Um, I reckon also just on the document, let's just flip the names. So, uh, yeah, we're in the tag titles oh, again enough, yeah. and the push returns. Um, so, Obviously, this guy, this would give you guys some sort of sense of hope. Like, hey, this WWE thing might actually lead somewhere. Um, yeah, what was your mindset going into this? And obviously, I, I, it was short-lived. Um, take it away. Well, the reason it was short-lived, I'll start and go backwards. The reason it was short-lived yeah. is that uh, Vince, Vince wanted us to uh, split. He wanted to split us up and wanted to uh, have singles, have us in singles career because that was back when they had the draft and they drafted Danny DeRaw. And I stayed uh, on SmackDown. I think JBL and Undertaker wanted me to stay there on SmackDown uh, because they, they had been helping me as well, hone, hone my entertainment ability, whatever. Um, and then Danny went over there. So I, I do believe, and I uh, don't know if Danny knows this or not, but I think I was the one they were going to try and focus on to uh, push and move up. And Danny was just going to be thrown in the, under, in the mid card. And if he makes it great, if not, not. So I was supposed to come up with a character and something to present to present to uh, WWE, and I tried to come up with a with a character that fed it to the, the writers. It just got lost in translation, and it never happened. And, and then my career was pretty much over. So that fifth box, I never got the check. I never got a singles career with WWE. So I think I got four of the five. So that kind of happen, and you know i take full responsibility for the my career being in, in the demise of doug bash and the wwe because i didn't uh uh that ball they give you i think i fumbled it so hey i, I own up i own that that's on me um as far as being with jbl it was uh a revive you know we had spent a year or so uh, velocity and, and putting guys over and just going out working and having fun, having great attitudes. It didn't matter. Then that tough enough incident came up. 
and then it put us with JBL, it elevated us. It took us from here and brought us up to here with JBL. And it gave us uh, a whole, gave us another run, gave us, we were on pay-per-views. We were with the champion. Granted, we were just the crash test dummies for him, but you know, we didn't care. We were just going to ride this thing out and see where it led. And eventually it was to lead, you know, we became tag champions again. We had a great run, um, worked with all the top guys again on all the pay-per-views, uh, WrestleManias, helping JBL and, you know, made some money. So that, that's, and then wherever it led after that, we knew where it was going to go after that. It was, they were going to split us up eventually. We knew that, but yeah, we just didn't know when we just, man, we just, we just ran with it, bro. We just ran with it. That's great because no matter who JBL's working with, that means that's who you're working with. So if he's working Undertaker, you're working Undertaker. Yeah, one of us is going to take the tombstone. The other one's taking the last ride. <laughs> I'll take those any day of the week, man. I don't give a fuck. Hey, well, I, I, the first time I took the last ride, boys, that is a long way down. It felt like slow motion. Undertaker put me up there and he goes, you ready, kid? And he goes, and I'm up. You know, I'm doing my thing. Like, oh, my God. And when he let me down, man, it felt like I fell forever before I hit the ground. <laughs> it's a big bump. I'd be popping so I'd be popping so hard, man. Oh, he probably throw he'd probably try to throw you through the mat. Me, he just kinda laid down. He would I would vicious you. Through it. Yeah. Would vicious me. It wouldn't be a good sight. I'm joking, man. Undertaker he was he was a he was a professional man. He was one of the well, he's one of the greatest. Definitely. Where are we up to, Jack? Oh, yeah, that's me. It's me still. No, it's me still. Okay. So by June 2004, you two uh, quit the cabinet and are separated. So obviously you've uh, sort of already spoken about this now. So we'll sort of move on to the actual singles run. Um, What was your initial uh, feelings towards you being uh, sort of by yourself? Uh, You're in the WWE now and you are now uh, technically solo. So uh, did just sort of face any challenges transitioning from being solo, uh, being a tag team wrestler to being uh, singles. The only challenge that I was uh, trying to overcome was coming up with a character, coming up yeah. with something for creative to work with. That was the only challenge. As far as being a singles competitor, I had not at that point. I'd been uh, 15 years into my career. And, yeah, you know, I could do singles. I could do tag. I could do. <laughs> I could, anything you wanted I could do so I was very confident in my ability to perform whatever they needed and was looking forward to a singles career and that I was ready for that next step I think Danny was too ready for that next step for both of us yeah. um, but the, the main challenge was finding a, a character that would resonate and that the boss would understand boss being Vince McMahon and that the writers could write for and uh, when I threw my idea there the writers just uh it got, got lost in translation. And then when I went out there to try and perform it, it didn't work. It didn't work at all, man. You can go back and see on YouTube and watch them. I mean, you, you would go, okay, what is he? Yeah. And basically it was supposed to be a guy. I was going to use my last name and call myself the bash man. And basically I would just, you know, kind of bash people kind of a little bit what JBL did, but JBL did it on a political site, on a political platform, and I was going to do it and uh, compare people to what was going on in the news. Like, I think at that time, uh, Janet Jackson had had that uh, uh, breast pop out, yeah, yeah, pop out or whatever. And I was going to, uh, I would compare, and I was going to use Eddie Guerrero, say, oh, she's just doing that for, a, for attention. 
you know, shame on you people. It was an accident and all that. But what's not an accident is Eddie Guerrero using his drug problems, his drinking, writing a book, trying to get attention focused on him, blah, 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 and turn it around and, and bash him and then bash the people who were bashing. Uh, so, and then my catchphrase was, was going to be, you know, you've just been bashed, you know, so, and, but that was my idea and how it got to what you saw. I was talking to about some guy about living the living the dream and all that. I'm like, it's <laughs> not what I. Right, they, did, they did. They didn't get where you were trying to where you were trying to come from. I, it, I just totally got lost in translation. It, and, it blows my mind that, that, that they're the creative team. They should be the ones coming up with the ideas and the characters. I mean, they used to come up with things for people all the time, and you know, the Undertaker. Mankind, I always came up with them in creative services, I guess what Prince Russo used to call it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it boggles my mind that they can't think of anything themselves and they've got to rely on you to come up with something for yourself. That was orders from the boss himself. He took me and right. Danny aside and set us down. I remember we were, set, we, were, we were leaning on a crate and the boss was right there and he said, I'm going to move you to Raw. You're going to stay on SmackDown. I want you both to come up with come up with something and get with creative and show me what you got. And he walked right. up and he said, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Got an interesting story for you guys, kind of off the wall, something I'll share with everybody that I've shared before. Uh, it's, it's a neat story. Totally, totally ram and off the wall. If you guys want me to tell it, it has yeah, to do man. with, uh, yeah, awesome. Go for it. It, it has to do with Stephanie McMahon. Oh, even <laughs> Brilliant. So, you know, Stephanie McMahon's got these mm, monsters, oh, yeah. right? They do. We know. So yeah. me, me and Danny had this idea. We wanted to kind of run it by uh, Stephanie because she was running SmackDown. And so we caught her off the side and we said, Hey, Stephanie, when you know, you have some time, some today, could, could we, could we talk with you? She goes, yeah, yeah. I got, I got time right now. So me and Danny's like, all right, cool. So she had on this V-neck, V-neck sweater and it was really loose because she had big, big knockers. Right. So she couldn't wear really tight, tight clothing. So we go and uh, me and, she we get up the hallway and there's a couple chairs full chairs. she put one down for her and me and danny put two side by side so we were looking straight at her right so she's got on this loose sweater me and dan start talking to her and she's talking to us and she lays down her and she's writing stuff down and she puts her board down on the ground and puts her elbows on her knees and is leaned over looking at us and her shirt just goes it pops open I mean, if you wanted to, you could look down and you could see everything. I never stared somebody in the eyeballs and never <laughs> never lost in my life as I stared her straight in the face, right in the eyes every time. And you know, she, you know, she she was she had to have been messing with us, had to have been messing with us because she was leaned down and she knew because every time she would look away at Danny, I. I followed her eyes. I didn't take my eyes off of her because, you know, peripheral, you could see if somebody's doing this. <laughs> so we finally get finished talking to her and then she gets up, says, okay, boys, you know, maybe get with Hunter and ask Hunter and talk to Hunter or something like that. And we're like, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to us. We appreciate it. And she goes, all right, boys, good, you know, good, good idea. Good idea. We'll work with it. She leaves and me and Danny turn and look at each other. Our jaws drop going, was that not the hardest thing you've ever done in your life? Not just look down and stare at her, at her jugs hanging down. And we were like, oh, God, that's the hardest, hardest thing I've ever done in my life, boys. Just so you know. Triple H is a lucky man. 
<laughs> interesting story i figured you guys might like that <laughs> i love Total, it i love it to totally random and off the wall but you said you wanted some stories and they're just starting to come back to me a little bit i thought your situation awesome. with sid vicious was tough that's that was <laughs> that scary yes i guess this was scary too if, if i look down what is going to happen <laughs> oh my god i want to look down so bad but uh. <laughs> so i'm not a pervert but come on man <laughs> Maybe she thought because you guys did the S&M gimmick so well that she wanted to see if you two really were deviants. <laughs> let's, let's see what they think about this. Oh, man, that, that, was, that was actually, tor that was torture. She was the dominatrix there. She tortured us. But that was funny. That was the hardest thing, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, to stare at the boss's boobs. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's difficult. Um, another thing I found very interesting, um, and I actually didn't realize this was you guys in as... Oh, you didn't know that, bro. I had no idea up until... Yeah, I remember, I remember wondering who the hell it was, and I was, like, Googling it at the time. Who were these guys? <laughs> um, who was this? ACW is Paul Hammond's Enforcers. I, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no idea up until... Probably until reading this document about an hour ago, and I was yeah. just like, oh, no shit. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that was... Me, me and Danny started out, and then Danny tore his bicep doing a clothesline on somebody and couldn't work. So they replaced Danny with a guy by the name of Derek Nykirk. And he and I jailed pretty well as tag team too, but uh, that was, that was us, the enforcers. Yeah. How was that experience for you guys? Like, I mean, WWE, I mean, ECW wasn't. There was shit. I mean, everyone knows it was shit and it was a yeah. stupid, you know, they weren't going to bring it back and put it in small arenas and let it be like the old thing. Then, then don't do it at all. And, uh, you know, Dude, I, I just wonder what it was like wearing those fucking helmets that you guys had to wear. <laughs> it was, it was what it was. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. It was what it was. <laughs> yeah. But an interesting story. We were overseas. It may have been over. Were we the, dude, when we came to, see, I think, did WWE come to the, Austria once or twice? A few times. Um, I know Stop twice specifically times. for Perth, but after that they stopped doing Perth and they just went on the East Coast. They did do know. they did a SmackDown and ECW tour in two thousand and seven, I think. Right. And I remember it was SmackDown and ECW. Okay. I think if i can remember i can't remember if we were overseas in australia or overseas and that they, they took the ecw brand overseas i think or if it yeah. was i can't man, i'm sorry guys my, my, i can't That's remember okay. some things sometimes but we were wearing uh the riot gear you know and you could hit us pretty hard with the riot gear you know it didn't hurt because we had on those chest protectors and the helmet and stuff but we were working with rob van dam and there was a spot called where he has his comeback and he did this you know flying kick to to me and the helmet he kicked me so hard it knocked me out Shit, it, it knocked me out or knocked me <laughs> loopy i'm gonna say out because i missed the next spot because he hit me and i went face i face planted was face down that's what danny told me and he goes bro you missed your spot you know afterwards you missed your spot i go bro i was knocked the fuck out <laughs> i was loopy but i, I didn't say anything to one of my no because i i don't you know, I'm not a flower, but uh, 
thought just because I was wearing a helmet, he could kick me as hard as he wanted. And me and Rob Dam, Van Dam, we, we were friends. We were buddies, you know. He just just did it, I guess. <laughs> He'll be okay. Knock me the F out. <laughs> Damn, I can't believe he was able to knock you out with the helmet on. It's crazy. I was shocked, too. You know, like, how hard did he kick me, man? I don't know. But anyway. I guess it's over to me now, Jack. Um, so is. you guys eventually uh, get let go from the WWE. First of all, how did that feel to know that that period of time, you know, your career was over in that company? Um, well, nobody is, I, I don't think nobody is really prepared for it and uh, nobody wanted to get let go, but it's, it's inevitable, you know, when to every beginning there's an end. Um, but there's always, there was always that hope of maybe if I keep doing something, I can come back or whatever. But um, I was actually, I was shocked. Uh, I came home. Here's, here's the story about my phone call. I came home. My, um, I was home for a funeral. Uh, my grandma, or was my, I think it was my grandpa. Like my grandpa had, had passed away. So I came home for the funeral and um, it was maybe a day before the funeral or something like that. And I'm driving, pulled out of my, my dad's driveway and was going to town to do something. And my phone rings. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's Connecticut. So I answer the phone and uh, it's Johnny Ace. He made the phone calls. Uh, Johnny Laurinaitis made the phone calls to you know release people. And uh, he goes, Hey Doug, Johnny, how you doing? I go, Hey, hey Johnny, uh, you know, doing okay, man. You know, I'm just back, came back home. I, you know, my, I'm here for my funeral for my, my grandfather he goes oh god oh god and then he just cut he goes um we're gonna have to let you go (laughs) and he just got straight to it he didn't say anything and i was like i waited it was like an uncomfortable 10 15 second pause and i go is this a rib this is rib right (laughs) and then we had a had the conversation because i had always thought that if you were a good worker, which you know I thought I was, you would always have a job. And that is true. You just may not always have a job in a company that you currently work for. So that was that was how I got my uh, my release phone call. And it, it was it was it was pretty uh, unexpected. But the next day, the very next day on my uh, grandfather's funeral, Jim Cornette calls because he was with TNA at the time. He says, "Hey, would you not compete up?" <laughs> I go, uh, "I guess it's up." Was it? I guess three months. I think he had a three month no compete clause. Three months from yes yesterday, so it's whatever. He goes, "Okay, I'm going to work try and get you guys at TNA." Come the phone up. I was like, "Awesome." Oh, okay. All right, <laughs> thumbs up. Cool. So, uh, cool. Tra- transitions. All it was. Oh, that's great, man. It's great that your friend Jim was immediately there to be there for you. And, and as soon as you get the bad news, he's like, okay, I'm going to help my friend out. Absolutely. He, he, he had just been waiting for us to get released anyway. He, he knew it was going to, I think he knew it was going to be uh, just a matter of time because we, we, because, you know, they'd split us up and he's, he's seen where it was going and he, he knew it was just going to be a matter of time. As soon as it happened, he got the word and he called us up and said, TNA, come, come, you're coming TNA. Okay. And then that's where we're headed next in the interview, bro. Uh, you know, 2007, you come into feud with uh, formerly known as the New Age Outlaws, now known as the Voodoo Kin Mafia. Uh, you're working with Christy Hemi as well, who is just oh, amazingly gorgeous. Um, 
what was it like working with those guys, uh, you know, coming over there, uh, working with uh, Lance Hoyt at the time as well? Um, yeah, tell me about the, the TNA experience from the get-go. You guys keep drinking them beers make me thirsty. And it's only what? It's only 12 here. I'm on the yeah, red wine now, so. Went from wine, beer to wine. That's a, that's a headache for tomorrow. That's a oh, I'm looking experience. forward to it. I had to do it, man. I had to do it. Hey, sometimes, you know, you got to let your colors show. I'm, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. So. There's nothing wrong with that, man. I'm having my coffee here. Um, so the uh, atmosphere with T- from TNA to WWE, it, it was different. It was totally different. It was, it was a lot smaller. It seemed like people were happy. Everybody were, was there wanting to uh, help a new company grow and try and be competition. Um, everybody welcomed you with open arms. Nobody was you know, scared of losing their spot or anything like that. And uh, there was no, at least from what I saw, no, no uh, politicking to keep somebody down or not do this, not do that. And uh, working with a lot of the guys over Lance Hoyt, working with Lance Hoyt was great. He's a great guy, man. One of the best. Christy Hemme was uh, bubbly and, you know, she, she was fun to work with. Easy to get along with, super easy to get along with. Um, and then we worked with uh, the New Age Outlaws, I think. Uh, they were called the, the James Gang, I think. Kip and uh, uh, Road Dog, Billy yeah. Gunn, Road Dog. And, uh, of course, we worked with a lot of the other guys um, up there, too, here and there. And uh, we just uh, – I really don't know what happened. Um, we just didn't fit the mold, I guess. Right. Uh, I, I don't know – I, I don't know. I don't. I really don't know what happened. Never asked any questions or anything like that. I know that uh, Danny missed his uh, missed his flight once, and or we didn't know that we were getting tickets. He didn't get his flight information, and supposedly he was supposed to be there for TV, and we were going to be. We had a segment on. I call him Danny. We have a segment. <laughs> I think he lived in uh, Indianapolis at the time, so he couldn't just you know drive down to Orlando because he used to live in Jacksonville. Um, so that kind of was a strike against us. Um, and I think Jeff Jarrett, he was running the show then, kind of wanted us to look more like, look like a tag team. Uh, when we first got there, Vince Russo had came up to us and said, I see you guys as like a demolition, put face paint on, wear a mask or something like that. And me and Danny were like, really? <laughs> we were, Kind of hoping to not be the Basham brothers again, but hey, well, I mean, yeah, you I mean, you, you've got recognition with the face. Everyone knows who the Basham brothers are at this point. You've right. been on just off WWTV. Yeah, I think we may have rubbed Vince Russo wrong there, but you know, we didn't care. I didn't care. You know, uh, Jim Cornette was there, and he was going to. You know, I was thinking he's going to take care of us, but you know, there and again, no win, no win to say, no win to right. win. Yeah. Um, but then after we went through all that and then they were going to let us go, we, only, we were only there for three months. We just didn't make the cut. Uh, they were going to keep send Danny home, and they, they gave me a, uh, a singles tryout. I had a match with Jerry Lynn. I don't think it aired because what had happened is there was a spot we did where he did a flying head scissors, and I, Jerry Lynn was going to go over it. It was my, try, my singles tryout, you know, and I, all I had to do was go out there and have a good match, and I would have made it. But uh, I flew out of the ring in the back of my head, right there where your skull meets your, there's like that little groove in there. 
yeah, the groove. Yeah. There's a new nerve, the olfactory nerve or something right there. That's the judo chop nerve that you can, if somebody hits okay. you, they can actually, actually kill you, you know, if you hit it hard enough, it'll knock you out. That hit perfectly on the steps and it totally shut the lights off, man. I was out, out, out cold laying there. And then uh, I finally, I guess, I guess if you hit that nerve, it, it, it paralyzes you. So I, I, I kind of was laying there and I opened my eyes and I was looking around, but I wasn't breathing. And then all of a sudden, <gasps> I started breathing. So I have no idea how long I wasn't breathing or I was out. So then the referee comes down. So it hadn't been very long because the referee just came out of the, out of the ring. And he's like, dude, dude, you okay? And I went to go try to get up. And I went, oh, my God, I can't move. And the referee goes, what? I said, I can't move. And the referee's like, oh. And Shit. then all, all, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like the light switch, switch flipped. And I just I jumped up. Like, oh, and I was just, uh, up. And then, you know, when you're knocked out, you'll see somebody, their arms will be straight and their hands will be kind of, you know, like that. My arms are straight, kind of like that looking around and I'm just trying to come to and uh, I grabbed the back of my head. I'm like, Holy crap. My back of my head hurts. So I slide back into the ring and I, I'm like, where am I? First of all, I asked the referee, where am I? And the referee's like, Oh, 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 Oh. So I slide back in and I'm trying to get it together. I look over and see Jerry and I'm trying to relate to the ref. I have no idea what I'm doing. The referee wow. just goes, he shakes his head and goes like that. And they, they ring the bell. Jerry gets out and walks out. And then I'm just standing there. I'm like, where am I? And finally, I walked, walked to the back and go to the back. And everybody's like, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, it's, I'm starting to come to more and more and more. It's starting to, I'm starting to gather my bearings. And so they take me uh, back and set me on a table. And say, so just lay there and, and rest for a little bit. And so I lay there and rest for a little bit and finally come, come to. And then the back of my head looked like a pack of hot dogs, you know? So I went to the doctor the next day when I got home and the doc get checked out. The doc says, do you know how lucky you are? And I'm like, I'm still here. So I guess I'm pretty lucky. He goes, yeah, you hit that nerve. You, you can die. I was like, <laughs> okay. I'm lucky. Thank you, doc. So that right there was the, the TNA didn't, didn't sign me or bring me back after that. Right. Jeez. Fucking hell, man. That's, I never knew that. That's insane. Yeah. My gosh. Crazy. Fucking insane. Jesus. Imagine me when the doc said, you could have died. I'm like, huh? <laughs> could have died. Far out. Um, at Victory Road, Basham and Dimaggio were defeated by Voodoo Kin Mafia, and then they left the company. And that's the story that's fucking behind that. That's insane. That, well, the, the so that, that's pretty much, out. we flew in, we are supposed to fly in the next week. And Danny didn't get his information or so he said he didn't get his information. Right. So it looked like Danny no showed. And then that was Jeff Jarrett said, you're done. Damn. All right. Um, speaking of Danny, your last match with Danny's team was on April 26, 2008. Uh, and you're working uh, at JCW for the insane clown policy. Um, so what was it like working for them and, and how did you re react when Danny told you that he wanted to retire? Oh, Working with J the JCW and all that, 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 was, that was just pure fun. That was just go out there and have a good time. You know, these guys out there, just a bunch of guys wanting to have fun, wrestle, and, and you know, make a, little, make a little bit of money and put some stuff out there on the internet for people to watch. And they brought me and Danny and uh, uh, be uh, the bruisers, you know, be 
beat people up. That's what they wanted us to do, which we, we did. We tried to do it workingly and, and working with the uh, uh, ISP. They, they were a good group of guys, man. Just, I mean, uh, polite, uh, professional and uh, in-ring work and stuff. And they were very, very uh, thankful and uh, it was good. I like working with them. I'd, I'd do it again. Well, not now, but, you know, I agree yeah. to do it again if they, ever, if they ever wanted us to. And then uh, they made this little videos for us and all this other stuff. Um, when Danny said he was done, I said, well, but I said, um, when he's decided, I said he was going to hang it up. I said, you know, I, I'm probably not going to be far behind you because I'm just kind of, I'm losing, I'm not, I don't have it here anymore. I'm losing it. But the one thing uh, I want to do, I want to, I want to travel the world before I finally hang them up and go get a, you know, uh, assimilate back into normal society, which was other than looking down at, uh, uh, Stephanie's boobs was probably the hardest, the other hardest thing in my life to do. So when he, he finally hung it up and quit, I got a, a agent and started getting bookings, uh, around the world and did that for about, did that for about a year, year and a half. And then, uh, the money started to go this way. The travel was getting more brutal, the airlines and flying and riding trains and in cars on buses and stuff like that. You know, I just said, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to hang it up. And that was it. Uh, 2008, I think, also. 2009, I think uh, 2009 it was, yeah. Yep. Um, uh, over to you, Jack. It gets like that, man. I can imagine after 70 years. Like, like, honestly, just... like, just to chime in quickly, <laughs> sorry. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I sing in a rock and roll band, and um, being in Perth, Western Australia, only in the last, like, few weeks, I've come to terms with the fact that this big dream that I had is just not going to happen. And I'm going to have to come to terms with the fact that the dream I had is is just off the cards and I have to figure out something else to do with my life. And um, it's been very upsetting for me, especially the last few days, realizing but, that. You know, and you can too, I'm sure. I've lived, uh, I had a career in wrestling and lived a life in wrestling that a hundred thousand other guys wish and hope and dream to yeah. do. I, not, I loved it. It was the greatest, greatest point in my life. But, uh, assimilating back into normal society was tough. It was tough. It was real tough. I can imagine. I'm um, sorry. Back to you, Jack. Good luck. Good luck. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, so in the fall of this year, you became the advanced wrestling instructor for the Al Snow Wrestling Academy in uh, Louisville. So um, working with Al Snow, we've had him on the show before. He is a incredible guy. He's uh actually taught me a new asshole for um, the way we worded the questions, <laughs> but, but only, only in the most like educational uh, way. So you could teach us. And I can tell you right now, we weren't, we learned so much off him just from doing something like this. Um, so I can imagine just working alongside, uh, alongside him would be an awesome experience. So how has been the experience working at the Arsenal Wrestling Academy so far? So far, uh, it's been great. I've known Al. I've known Al for, man, uh, I, 20 years probably, 15, 20 years I've known Al. And he's been affiliated with OBW and uh, seeing him on, on the road and, and actually seeing him overseas, running into him, not knowing he was there and asking him, geez, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, Doug, probably same thing you're doing here. I'm like, <laughs> I'm question, hug, nice to see you and sit and talk but. Um, I have only been back, uh, with affiliate, um, affiliated with OVW for maybe 
we'll say two months now. Um, and the reason I've been away for so long, uh, whenever I decided to hang my boots up and quit wrestling in 2009 and say, I'm done. Because wrestling is, is like, um, and Carl, you can probably um, relate with your, your music. Wrestling was, was like a, was like a, that was my drug. That was my drug of choice. And I was addicted to it. I loved wrestling. I loved the feeling of the high it gave me whenever I was performing and making people cheer or making them boo. Uh, just the whole ball of wax of what performing as a professional wrestler, a sports entertainer um, was like. That was a feeling that you just, I don't think there's no drug out there that could give you the same feeling. So that was, um, it was hard for me to give up. And the only way I could rehab myself, so to speak, was just cut wrestling out and not do anything and not be around it at all. So I, I totally shut the door on that. Um, part of my career, my part of my life was over because I had to concentrate and uh, start a new career. And I got yeah. into, uh, back into the, because originally I wanted to be a doctor. So I got back into the medical uh, medical field and part of it with medical sales because you can you know do well in medical sales if you have a career or if you may have a good career in medical sales and make, make good money have a good living so i had to concentrate on that put all my effort into that and not have anything to do with wrestling or it wouldn't work i would have been only given in half half the effort it had to be 100 percent or nothing to be successful so i did that and then um Ran into a guy who opened a restaurant over here close by my house, opened a restaurant. And uh, every now and then I will get fan mail and they'll send me pictures or uh, trading cards and ask me to sign them and, and write me a letter. And I'll, I'll, I'll sign the pictures and I'll send them back, you know, because if they if somebody's going to take the time to look me up, send me the stuff and write me a letter, I'm going to take the time to. Uh, sign sign what they want signed and send it back to them. So I had a, there was a army vet had sent me uh, a big uh, envelope and wrote me a letter. And uh, I'd, if, if he ever gets you, if he's ever gets to listen to this or hear this, it'd be great. And thank you. Thank you for your service. But uh, he said it helped him. What he's doing is collecting and, and it helped him with his PTSD. Um, Post-traumatic. Did I say that right? PTSD. Yep, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, lots of <laughs> shots to the head. But it, it, it helped him. He collected, and that's what he did. And he wrote me a letter, and I wrote, actually wrote him a letter back and sent him the pictures back, stuff like that. And I was showing these pictures to uh, the, the guy because it, it's, a, it's, it's a restaurant, but it's got like a bar you can go and sit at. And I've become really good friends with a lot of the staff there and the, the bartenders that work there and had my mail because it was shipped to my dad's house not my house. So I went up and got it and came there to go eat, was looking through these pictures and say, hey, man, check this out. And, you know, showing a guy the pictures and he wanted to see them. And as I was doing that, the owner of the restaurant walked by and said, hey, um, hey I'm Greg. He introduced, I'm Greg, owner of the place here. And, uh, you know, I took those pictures and I went, what? what? Hold on. You, you took these pictures? And then he explained, he explained this story and I went, oh, hey, yeah, that's right. He used to take pictures of OVW back when I was the machine wow. back there because he, he's like to do, everybody has a hobby. He did it as a hobby and would be a freelance picture, uh, freelance uh, photographer. And then he moved on, eventually worked for WWE a little bit. So that's how that, and then he and I 
met there and we've, we've become really good friends ever since we go golfing, you know, we, we go eat, have a, have a beer or something at uh, his restaurant. And then um, he asked that he had all these pictures and didn't know if you know, Danny Davis or Jim Cornette or Al Snow or somebody would uh, want these pictures. So I, I had Al's number. I called him up and asked if I could come see him at the TV show. And, and at the time they were, the COVID had hit and everything was shut down. So they were having to have a show because they're based out of Louisville, Kentucky. And there was an arena over here in Indiana. Indiana had uh, looser guidelines. I guess he had to follow. So he was over here in, uh, in, in Indiana. I went to the show and the biggest mistake of my life. I got to the show and it's just, that's like doing this. Oh, <laughs> and then I uh, talked to Al about the pictures and then said, Hey man. And then started talking to Al more, come to more shows, come to more shows, come to more shows. And then finally talked to him. He didn't ask me at all to do any of this. I asked him if I could do this. And I, I guess Al uh, had enough confidence in uh, my ability and what I know to come on board at the school and uh, help agent matches for OVW TV. And also, um, one day, one day a week, I do training. I'm a, I'm a trainer at the school for, for an advanced class for guys that come there and want to uh, hone their skills, learn more from everything from ring entrance to promos to wrestling to fin it's everything. I'm teaching these guys everything that I know. So it uh, feels good that Al has that confidence in me that I, can, I would be teaching the same thing that, that you know, I don't know if you see as the Al Snow. I'm wearing this for him. Awesome. Uh, School Wrestling Academy, OVW. And uh, I don't know what your next question will be, but I'm just going to ramble on. But OVW has changed. It's the same, but it's changed so much. It's, it's sorry, Danny Davis. It's, it's better. It's better now. The TV production, the, the product, the people they're putting out there, um, the how many television stations that they're on now. They're, they are now, I don't know, can you guys get um, OVW TV there in, in Australia? We can't, but uh, I am a member of a a uh, forum where I can download the shows uh, for free. So um, OVW Overdrive, right? Right, Overdrive, and then just the actual live TV show. You know, they they just recently they're on Amazon Amazon Fire and Roku TV, so you can get it on Amazon Prime and, and Apple TV. They're on the Gladiator Sports Network. Um, they're just now starting to get to where they're worldwide, um, now and in millions of homes now around the world. Um, if you go to ovwrestling.com, the website, there, there's a link there where you can get on ovwrestlingnetwork.com, I believe. Is that what you're on? Uh, yeah, that's something that I can get on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to all your listeners and stuff like that, if they want to catch OVW TV, um, I know their overdrive is on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube, catch yeah. some of the episodes. And it's like the recent, most recent episode was just filmed like that Tuesday. Um, the live TV show, I think you got to get on uh, whenever it's airing. Um, and I know that they're we're working on getting on more networks around you know, worldwide. I was trying to get a, a hold of Al. Uh, I, I forgot to get a hold of him. And I was trying to get a hold of him this morning to see if what, TV station or, or they, we could get on there in Australia so some of your listeners could catch it but um, maybe I could email you that and you could put it on your show uh, whenever I find that out sure, man. absolutely yeah we'd love to help that's uh, kind of kind of where I'm 
kind of where I'm at right now, you know, I'm really enjoying uh, the other side of wrestling now where I'm on, on, you know, behind the scenes, helping guys with their matches, aging matches, helping train because uh, this old body, man, I don't think it can ever get back in the ring again if that was going to be a future question because I've got, a, I've got a bad neck, I've got a bad hip, got a bad lower back, and it's just from all the bumps and everything from wrestling. It's things that I didn't think about when I was younger, <laughs> what I'm going to be facing when I'm older, but uh, giving back, giving back some of my career and what I know to some of these younger guys who are hungry and want, and want to make a living and have a career doing this. And if you watch OVW TV, there are a lot of guys there and, and ladies that uh, have a very bright future ahead of them. Awesome, man. Interesting, man. I have to catch some of that, man. Um, I want to watch some old OVW stuff too. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to sink my teeth into some of this stuff. I'm going to get on YouTube and go down the rabbit hole. I think cause... I've been Dude, looking for uh, an alternative for so long. So, Akiana Classics, you'll find a lot of uh, old OVW stuff from the old Davis Arena to the new Davis Arena. You'll be surprised, and uh, a lot of Jim Cornette wrote, and uh, I, I've been going back watching a lot of the two. And seeing how you know storylines and how, of course, I've been watching myself how I progressed as a worker, how uh, not horrible, but how much better I got over the years, <laughs> promos, wrestling, and everything. Cool, man. Awesome. Definitely going to um, check it out. Yeah. So um, obviously, we got one last segment and one last question before we uh, wrap all this whole thing up. Uh, we want to be super respectful of your time, but this has been so fucking awesome. So. Uh, fantastic. What is one thing you wish you could have accomplished during your career that you I uh, did not get to uh, during that whole time? I know that could be a very broad question, but uh, yeah, is there anything at all uh, that you could have accomplished that you uh, just absolutely, man? Absolutely, I wish I would have had uh, a singles career in the WWE. Yeah, man. Just to at least give them the chance. I mean, we've spoken to several people in the show where they've spoken about just not being able to be given that proper, proper chance to be given you the opportunity to be sink your teeth into something. And yeah. I just think it's like, uh, Carl, you said it's, you know, to Alan Funk, you know, you gave him that spiel where you just said it's so unfair. Yeah. Well, I think I was given the chance. I just didn't seize the moment. So, you know, I, I own, I own that. I was given the opportunity to come up with something uh, maybe I should have been a little bit more hands-on and said, no, 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 I'm not doing that. This is how I want to do it. And then going out and performing it uh, just didn't resonate with the boss. And uh, so I don't going to say I wasn't given a chance, but if I had it all to do over again, I would have definitely done a few things different. But I do wish I would have had a singles career in WWE. Well, dude, you're, you're still memorable. I haven't forgotten you. I mean, I knew who you were when I was fucking seven years old, so... There's something for you. You're seven, I... so you're you're like you're like 39 now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wish. And how could I forget you, Doug? How could I forget you? Oh um, man, that picture you sent, I, and I, I didn't. I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. I'm sorry. I don't. That's but I okay. Like, Where the gym? Or where were we? Yeah, and it was I, inside I'm, the. Uh, it was inside the lobby of the casino, uh, where you guys were staying at the hotel there. Um, because you were performing at the Birdswood Dome, I believe, which was like, you know, connected to the casino, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I was going to tell this story after this last segment that I was going to do. But um, so like me and my friends, teenagers, pimples, 
skinny, <laughs> all the things that don't uh, happen anymore. Um, and we were like just, just hanging out in the lobby all day, hoping to meet someone, hoping to meet someone. And you were the first one that came down and you stood with us for like 15 minutes. You answered all of our dumb questions and you've sat here tonight and answered all of my dumb questions. Um, You're not dumb, buddy. <laughs> but it, it really meant a lot to us at the time. And after that, it was like Doug Basham is our favorite wrestler. Doug Basham is the best guy. Every time Doug was on TV, that's our friend, Doug. That's our friend, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so it really meant a lot to me that you, you stood with, you know, three, four pimply faced teenagers and gave us the time of day. You know, it, it's stories like that. And, and like you said earlier in your uh, emails to me, it's, it's come full circle. It's come back around. And it, it's always one of the, one of the things that I, I uh, it makes me feel good inside and, and warms my heart and brings a smile to my face is when I can uh, bring a smile to somebody's face also. And um, just, just actually just two weeks ago, two weeks ago, and I've, I could send this video to if you want to see it. Um, my, I got a buddy who in the medical field was talking to uh, a lady in the hospitals because in the medical field now over here, I can't get into hospitals. I can't get into doctor's offices. They just kind of shut everything down because of COVID. Probably same way over there, I'm sure, or down there, yeah. in the, <laughs> down there, down under. Um, so it's really tough. So a buddy of mine uh, got me into uh, see some of the people in the hospital, but how he did it was he said, yeah, I got a buddy. They were talking about wrestling and that her son was, was a huge wrestling fan and all that. And then he said that, uh, oh, one of my buddies is used to be a professional wrestler. I don't know, Doug Basham. She goes, and I, I, I was shocked when she said this. She said, well, my son knows the Basham. He loves the Basham brothers. Would he be able to get a picture or something like that? So uh, Steve, Steve called me up and said, absolutely, man. I'll, do, I'll tell you what I'll do. And let's get me into the hospital to see her. So, so I, had, I had ulterior motive there, right? To see her, I'll hand a picture and sign it. We'll take pictures and, and maybe try and send a video to her son. So I got in there, handed her a picture. She was shocked. Oh, my God. And uh, she said she would video her, giving her son the, the picture. And uh, it, it, she sent me, or sent me the video. And uh, when he, he, he was sitting there playing, I think he was playing a wrestling video game. And they walked into her and her husband walked into his room and said, hey, um, Taylor. Or, uh, Carter, Carter, see my memory, Carter got something for you. And they had, I had it in a, uh, like one of those, uh, envelopes like this here, you know, those manila, oh, envelopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. had it one of those and, uh, she handed it to him and he opened it and it was, when he opened it, it was still face down. And as he walked over, he had like a WWE, one of those plastic WWE belts on the floor. So his kid was a huge, huge wrestling fan. And when he opened it up, he goes, he saw it was a picture of the Basham brothers and me and Danny. He goes, no way, the Basham brothers. I love the Basham brothers. <laughs> oh, man, thank you. He was like all happy and everything. And she sent that video. And not that I'm, you know, I'm not a big softy or anything like that. But uh, I'm not, I'm man enough to say it actually brought a tear of joy to my eye when I saw that, that I could make that little guy that happy. So yeah. that was like if I had a highlight in my career, that would be one. That's one of my best highlights in my career, right there. Making that, and he's only, I think he's nine. He was nine years old, and he knew who the Basham brothers were. He wasn't even even thought about. Back <laughs> yeah. So, pretty awesome. So I can do something like that, man. Makes me feel good. Glad. 
Absolutely. And I think I, I saw a tweet that Mark Murray put up the other day where he said, you know, sometimes maybe only five minutes of your time can mean the world to somebody else. And um, absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and, and that those few minutes of your time that you gave us meant the world to us. And, and I also want to give a shout out to Johnny, the bull Stan Bowley, who also did the same thing and, and took some time with us. And we even made an FBI sign. And when he made his entrance, we were along the ramp and he made sure to point at us and make us feel special. So it's the, that's a magical thing about all that, you know, like so it's the little things that matter the most. Um, whenever I was out there, I always tried to talk to fans and stuff like that. John Cena, one of the reasons, I don't know if it's the reason, but one of the things he used to do, because we used to ride together, he would go out and sign autographs at the end of the show, and people would be lined up by the gate when all the wrestlers come out. He would go over and sign. I mean, I'd be like, God, I don't know if I want to ride with him anymore, because, God, I want to leave, but <laughs> I get it. Go, go get yourself over. Um, he, would, he would sign every autograph, and there would be hundreds of people out there, and he'd, just, it, he'd, be, he'd be an hour, and we'd just be sitting in the car waiting on him. Yeah. But, yeah, you know. I, I I remember a story Kevin Nash told me. You were hanging out with Hulk Hogan, and you know, looking at Hulk Hogan, you know it's Hulk Hogan. He'd be like, "God damn it, if that guy didn't sign every single person's for his signature, you'd be there for hours waiting for him to hurry up and be done so you can get on to the next thing." <laughs> Absolutely, get on to the next town is what it, what it is. <laughs> yeah. But you know that that's that's what you got to do. Um, I'm, I got, you know, I'm a redneck, so I, uh, I, I like NASCAR, right? One of the things about me, my dad told me a story about the King Richard Petty. I don't know if you guys follow NASCAR or anything. I've heard like of that. Richard Petty. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Petty, the King. My dad told me back when Richard Petty was young and winning all the races, he would stay after the the races and he would sign every autograph of hundreds and hundreds of people. And I remembered that when I moved up and I kind of implemented some of that. Uh, whenever I would go out and see fans. Now, I was a heel, so it was, I had to, you know, I, I, I didn't go out and do what John Cena did. But, uh, you know, like with you guys there, um, stop, see some, some young guys and talk to you for a little bit and ask me to go on the show. Can't remember what we talked about. I couldn't, could not even tell you. I, I remember, don't remember either. I can't remember <laughs> anything, but I, I always made a, made a point to actually, you know, be, be nice and be kind because there may be one day when I turn babyface and I'm going to, I'm a singles guy and uh, you'll buy my merch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, just re or just remember me, man, and, and uh, cheer, cheer for me. That was it. Yeah. And I know, now I know why I know Richard Petty is because uh, uh, Kurt Hennig, the West Texas Regnicks, had the lyric, uh, I like NASCAR racing. Richard Petty is still the king. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's it. That's it, man. <laughs> That's the only way I would know. NASCAR is not something that's uh, very well known here in Australia, but... Um, Probably not. <laughs> we, we, we got the uh, V8 supercars over here, which I'm sure will be something that you would love to watch. Uh, uh, the the, the dra drag racing there. I watched some of that on uh, Mav TV. And do you know, don't you guys have um, like, uh, uh, what do they call it? Like desert racing over there where the uh, super trucks uh, go through the desert and race? I've never ever heard of that. But that sounds... we, we, we've got V8 supercars, like your, your, your Ford, your Holdens, and uh, they don't look like, you know, Formula One type cars and like, you know, big fucking tanks of a car. But uh, yeah, that, that's a big thing over here is these uh, V8 supercars. I'm sure you'd love to see that stuff. Drag racing. Drag racing is pretty, it's pretty big here. Yeah. You, you know, I found out, right, two weeks ago, 
my dad, right, he's been fucking drag racing on his motorbikes for years. What? And I had no, no fucking idea, right? And he, he messaged me like three weeks ago on a, Wednesday, <laughs> on a Wednesday night being like, I'm going to Quinana fucking Speedway of a backfire. I'm like, what are you going there for? And he goes, drag racing. I'm like, what, are you racing? He goes, yeah. I'm like, since fucking when? Why wouldn't he ever bring that up in conversation? He never told me. But, <laughs> but this makes all the sense in the world because he's got that Akubra. Wait, oh, no, the Akubra's right. the hat. What's the fucking bike? <laughs> the Akubra's the hat, bro. Fuck. He didn't want you. He didn't want you. The name anyway, of the bike Anyway. Anyway, look, but next time we're on the show, Jack will figure out what the name of the car, uh, of the bike is. No, the, we'll name the name of the bike. name of the bike is a Buell. The Buell. Buell. Okay. Yeah, Buell. All right, Doug, look, we've taken up enough of your time. Uh, this is the final segment. It's called Five Second Frenzy, and it's 10 quick fire questions. And essentially, it's just to get to know a little bit more about you and other things that you like. NASCAR. Wait, sorry. <laughs> I'd be sorry. <laughs> We're starting right now. Who was your favorite wrestler? Uh, Eddie Guerrero, uh, Chris Benoit, and I was a super huge fan of Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Me too. He's actually, Razor is my favorite. When I did wrestling, my move set was essentially Razor Ramon's move set. Um, your favorite opponent over the years? Uh, probably Eddie, uh, Chris Benoit was my favorite opponent. I'm going to watch that match after this. I didn't get to watch the whole match. I just got to watch the segment building up to it, but I'm definitely watching that. Um, There's a couple of them you can watch with Chris Benoit, actually. Oh, cool. On OBW and WWE. Ah, excellent. Um, so favorite match, would it be Benoit? Favorite match? No, 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 no. Favorite match was the first time we won WWE titles. Excellent. Of all time. Because <laughs> check that box. Hell yeah. Uh, your favorite TV show? America's Got Talent. <laughs> oh, Sick. Doug. Doug, I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed. Oh, hang on, hang on. How about Got Talent? Because I watched Australia's Got Talent. I watch Britain's Got Talent, oh, really? America's Got Talent, Asia's Got Talent. I love it, man. I love it that these people, I know it's rapid fire, but all these people have a dream and they're yeah. stepping up on a, on, a, on a platform to try and get there and they're letting it all hang out. So uh, kudos. I, I like that, man. It's, it's awesome. No, that's cool, man. I just like my favorite show is The Sopranos. So um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your favorite film, Doug? Film. Uh, Ace Ventura. When nature, when nature calls. Oh, it's brilliant, man! I love that the movie. Second one. Yeah, it's way better than the first. I love it. Bumblebee tuna. Bumblebee tuna. <laughs> Everybody loves the slinky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, your favorite food? Pizza. Man, you know what? We always get either steak or pizza from wrestlers. Jack, have you noticed that? I noticed that. You said that earlier today to Cracker Jack as well. Yeah, because he said steak and now Doug said pizza. I'm pretty sure Sin Bodhi said pizza. By the way, Doug, Sin Bodhi said to say that, um, say hello to that sexy motherfucker for me. <laughs> as a Matt, you know, Sin Bodhi's awesome, man. He was just in OVW uh, last yeah. week. We hung out a little bit. Man. Hang on. He, he's a great guy, man. Great, great, oh. great, great guy. I met never, him. Never got his uh, due, man. Never got his due. I hope he does get it someday. I, I yeah, honestly, that little itty bitty. That I little itty bitty was, Yeah. I thought Kazani was such an awesome character and such a cool name too. I just don't think they knew what to do with it. You know, they just didn't know what they were doing. I, I he, think it was, o- it was over their head. It was over their yeah. head, I think, is what it was. They didn't know. It's like, it's like Bray Wyatt. They, they can't write to the character because the character and the performer is better and more smart than them. 
So, well, I met Simbo D through uh, Gail, obviously, when when we were, were dating. So, right, he's Canadian. Um, he's Canadian. Yeah. Um, okay, back to Five Second Frenzy. Your favorite Sorry, place man. to eat on the road? It's okay. My favorite place to eat on the road. Uh, it yeah. was. Uh, it was anywhere you can get like steak or grilled chicken. I, I don't, you know, like mainly a, a chain. Anywhere you can get, obviously, a steak for protein. That was it. Yep. Oh yeah. Didn't have you, a favorite favorite. Your favorite alcoholic beverage? Beer. Yeah, light beer. Same. Light, light, light beer. Big beer. Uh, I, I, I'm big. I'm big on beer too. But obviously tonight I'm on the red wine because it's a bit cold here. It's supposed to be summer. It's a bit cold, and the red wine warms me up. It's just just like you've warmed me up, Doug. It's uh... a. <laughs> <Doug>, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, your favorite female body part. And I know it can't be Stephanie Mann's breasts because you never actually looked at them. So, oh no, the bootay. Yes, uh, just like Bob Holly, bro. Bob Holly like the bootay. The bootay because you can buy you can buy these. Now you can buy that, but if you got one of those, you're either gifted or you work squats. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. why I'm a big fan of Mandy Rose. Um, oh, my girl, my girl, <laughs> my girl, that my girl. She's got a booty. Um, I'm glad she does. <laughs> <laughs> um, your favorite curse word is the final one of tonight's five second frenzy, Doug. I know you haven't sworn tonight. You've you've, oh, you've, I, you've leaped yourself, but probably the F word. It just feels good. It makes you, when you say it, just it's a nice, good stress release. It, it, it's a popular one. Yeah, I don't it's say it's a it popular all the time. one. <laughs> I got to be pretty mad, you know. I, I try to keep a handle on my cursing. Fair enough. Well, uh, well, Doug, I just want to say thank you so much. And once we stop recording, I, I want to ask you just two more questions. But just um, I want to say thank you so much for doing the show. And big shout out to my boy, Mean Mike, uh, for helping me out with this. He has right. now become a friend of mine. We talk every single day since the interview. So, me, Mike, thank you so much for getting me in touch with Doug Basham. As soon as he said that he could get me an interview with you, I was like, oh, Mike, you have no idea. I met him when I was a teenager and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, Doug, I hope you are incredibly proud of everything you accomplished in the business. Not many people can say that they did what you did. And uh, you've made me and Jack very happy that you've spoke to us today. And again, I just hope you're very proud of everything you accomplished. Thank you, guys. You guys are very kind. Appreciate the kind words. And uh, it was my pleasure. Excellent. And Jack, guess what? We ended up going two and a half hours, bro. So. Exactly like I said in my fucking message, right? I was You're like, just thinking it's that. better not go two and a half hours, man, because I'm tired. Because we're, Doug, we're hungover. We went to our friend's engagement party last night. And this is the second interview of the day. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, <laughs> forget it. It's it's um. What is it? One thirty at your house? Are you one thirty-two? Oh, yeah. One thirty yeah. in the morning now. So look, <laughs> it may have gone two and a half hours, and I may have said I didn't want to go two and a half hours, but we had a great time. It was so much fun. So again, I, Doug, thank you so much, my friend. You guys are welcome, and I could have kept on going just so just just so you know. Well, we'll bring you back on, and we'll 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 you know we'll get even dive even deeper into your career. Uh, it's at work. Anytime, man, just let me awesome, know. I'll be man. more than glad to do it. Excellent. Oh, man, and sure. um, thank you, everyone, for watching the podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California Inferior, alongside our new best friend in the whole wide world, Doug Basham. <laughs> and we will see you next time when we speak to none other than Joe E. Legend, a.k.a. Just Joe. Not, 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 yeah, Just Joe. Not Joe, Just Joe.
Good night, everyone.